And if you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. Our girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can. And then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win or I'm going to die trying. Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we are discussing episode 10 of Survivor Winners at War, The Full Circle. This was said during Ben's family visit. I think it's a bad title. It's a weird poll. It's definitely kind of from a weird place, but I feel like (laughs) it was a powerful moment. Like Ben's story with his family is very touching. And I think that's something that crosses both seasons that he was on is he's a very powerful speaker uh, about his family. Um, And I don't know. I also think the reason it got actually included as the episode title is Jeff stole the line like 30 (laughs) seconds later uh, when he's talking to somebody else. And he's like, is this the full circle? Um, So I think Jeff really liked the line and then like immediately used it right afterwards. So it like, it got said twice. What else got said twice in this episode, you know? Sure. Yeah, I guess. Um, Well, not a lot got said twice. I mean, because it was the strangest episode of Survivor ever. Like, definitely different from anything else. Yeah, it's this unique blend of overwhelming family content of just like people love their families and it's touching and whatnot and also like over the top advantage strategy that makes no sense like incomprehensible voting strategy that is completely muddled and confusing because of the huge amount of advantages that are all getting played and talked about and potentially played in like four minutes like you have like i counted it was literally five minutes of camp scene like yeah i mean splitting this out it's like 20 like half the episode 21 minutes is just the family visit content um then you've got like a 10 minute immunity challenge um and then yeah the rest the last 10 minutes is your strategy and tribal which i kind of feel like they did a good job of showing as much as they could it's just that none of it still makes sense yeah the fact that they got as much info out there as they did in five minutes again like is Mm -hmm. like you have to compliment in them in some way like they were using like a lot of um like if you're looking at economy of time they nailed it like they're given their five minutes, they hit it in the park. Because I doubt it's them who are deciding what time gets what segment and whatnot, right? Like, right. I don't know. Whoever was in charge of that part did a great job, I thought. Because mm-hmm. you knew about all the advantages. You knew about Tony's, uh, what Tony wanted. You knew that some people wanted Tyson to go instead. You knew that Kim was wanting to make a big move. Like, there was enough in there that you could kind of scratch details out. The problem, of course, is that the vote ends up being, like, 5-2. Um, like, weirdly split in a way that doesn't necessarily make sense. And so, like, you- you're left to wonder a little bit about what happened. But um, overall, like, they did okay. I still think this episode buckled under its own uh, pillars, though. Like, I think it failed to satisfy as a good episode of television that explains why the person who went home went home and all that kind of good stuff like i really think it failed it did its best and they did a good job in spite of what they had but the challenges i think proved to be too much yeah i think this episode sort of right after had a very interesting sort of response 
there are a lot of people who really hated it. And then a lot of people really loved it. And it really, I think, shows what you're watching Survivor for. If you just sort of want... I don't know, maybe it's easier to start the other way. If you're, I think, people like us who want the gameplay and sort of how the game is playing out and presented as logically and clearly as possible, this is a terrible episode for that. I mean, the chaos of the game aside, you can't condense all that into 10 minutes. Um, On the other hand, I think there are people out there who want sort of this sentimentality from the family visits and seeing people for people and who they are. And I think that's great in the episodes sometimes, but to have so much of it isn't my cup of tea, but I think a lot of people really appreciated seeing all these families and all these legends of Survivor winners for sure um, experience that. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like I've never been a particularly big fan of the family visit unless something really interesting happens. Um, For example, like The Great Lie. Uh, with Johnny Fairplay or something like that. But I've kind of conceded that point over the years. Like, I'm like, whatever, it's a part of Survivor, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna be annoyed for the episode, and then afterwards be like, fine, whatever. We probably learn some things about the characters that informs us in the future or in the past anyway. So it's probably okay, storytelling-wise anyway. I do think that there is, like, like, it's one thing to learn about who a person is. It's another, like, okay, everybody, most people love their family. Um, I don't think it's particularly complex or interesting to me. That's my problem with it. It's it's very one note. It's like, oh, and they really love their family. And so do they. And so do they. And so do they. Like, right. there's no differential, uh, differentiating factors between them. Unless yeah. someone, like, brings out, like, their friend or something. Like, coach's assistant coach, right? Like, stuff like that's fun. Um, yeah. There are so many people who, because they did it at 10... Like, so many people have sort of the same, like, I mean, obviously they're different, but they have the same sort of family makeup. Like, Kim is a mom to a few children. Sarah is a mom. Like, they're the same overarching story, and they have their differences. But, like, I don't know. Like, Tyson has children. Jeremy has children. Like, they're both like they didn't do much to differentiate those two people in terms of family story. It's kind of hard to, right? Like, I, I guess Tyson's jokey with his kids. That, that was a fun moment. Like, I liked him being like, do you even recognize me? Like, that stuff is good. It's just mm-hmm. most overwhelmingly the content is repeating itself. And that's what I don't love. Um, but right. I think the real criminal here is one, the Edge of Extinction family content was not needed. That, I think, is a hill I'm willing to die on. Like, I've lost the battle about family visits over the years. Edge of Extinction did not need that. That that could be a bonus scene on CBS All Access. That did not need to be 10 minutes of being there. They didn't, honestly, they probably could have cut down um, the amount of time even with them bringing out everybody one by one because they all went back to camp. I think that's another moment where they kind of lost a lot of screen time that could have been used for other things is having all the family members come out one by one, get their Jeff Probst weird description of their relationship moment. And then mm. they also all go back to camp. I think they could have probably just skipped that first thing and just gone right back to camp with the family. Like, and then actually seen how they interact with each other on the beach. Cause that's always the most fun stuff about the family visit is like the interactions between the family members and the interactions between people right. with their family member. We really got to see a bunch of people say, I love my wife and then hear nothing from the wife or whatever. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, the, I that's think, to me the missing component. I think they sort of production sort of looked at this and I was like, okay, let's do our typical family visit format. Like one by one, they get brought out and 
this happens and then explain when like you're already mixing it up by bringing out families and bringing out people for every person still technically in the game um like yeah either show them all brought out at once or whatever cut to a few like interesting moments and even that can take up as much time if i'm being generous as it did here but at least it's interesting like there's a scene while someone else was having their little relationship moment where like you can see like sophie and her fiance whispering intently so you know like sophie is feeding information to her fiance and just like bouncing things off like constantly that would have been interesting but yeah they just got caught in their format and didn't think of what maybe the best way to do this. 100%. This is exactly what that kind of problem where normally that format is the best way to do it because you don't want like Aurora or someone to just like not get their family moment, right? Because on TV, right. beca- because they lost the challenge or whatever. Like that sucks. This one, they didn't have the challenge. So you didn't need the preempt thing. Like that's the real problem here. The best moment of this family visit. And I think what this episode's story was trying to be was sort of the Christmas miracle world where one thing where it's Christmas. And so all the soldiers stop fighting um, and they just celebrate Christmas. They sing Christmas carols, whatever. That's um, the survivor version of this where it's like, she's like, my son's over there playing with the enemy, but it's okay because today we're taking a day off. And Ben's like, we didn't have to compete for our loved ones. That stuff was really captivating. I wish we would have got to actually see the loved ones interact or show why why they matter or anything we didn't get any of that we just got a description of their like wikipedia summary of like wife and two kids right massive failure i think right and i think for many episodes this season a lot of people have been um pleading for more time and i think this is a really like good example for it even if that means that the first hour is just family content like do this like introduction that you do normally for family visits and then you have more time to play around with um like these scenes back on the beach you can include edge of extinction you still have time for that and then you still have more time than you had before for the immunity challenge strategy and tribal stuff yeah like this was the perfect example and not doing it here really sort of i think is revelatory as for our hopes of two hour episodes going forward because this is really the perfect opportunity 100 percent, and that's a, that's the worst thing to me the, the the biggest crime of this episode is that it basically advanced no stories you have the introduction of these what 10 people this is loved one i guess 20 people 19 people's loved ones into the game where they've been alone there's no one they can trust um like they're in a new society a microcosm of society And I don't think a single story or personal development increased. Like no one's like, oh, I'll take this lesson of my husband telling me to trust no one or whatever forward. Like we literally got nothing about who these people are in the game from this. Mm -hmm. Usually that's what the family visits really good for is you do get those moments. Lisa Welchel in Philippines is a great example where um, I think it's her brother, something like that. Yeah, I think so comes out and is like, Lisa, you gotta be more cutthroat. And it informs the rest of the game. Amazing mm-hmm. moment of the family visit that recolored my image of the family visit. You get those usually every season, even if they're small. We got none of that this season because they spent 30 minutes of them just describing each other again, which that to me, it misunderstood storytelling at a basic level. And right. it was filler. It was completely filler, empty content for no purpose. Yeah, Sucked. I- 
I would say your like best examples of this are weirdly on the edge of extinction, where it's like Ethan realizing how important his fiance is to him, or yeah. Adam sort of finishing the story. And but, what like, it's almost like they the reason is because instead of showing like we didn't get Adam, we didn't get Jeff Probst be like. Adam, so this is your dad. What's it like having a dad? Instead, we just saw them interacting and talking about what they care to talk about with them. Mm -hmm. And shocker, it was the most captivating scene of the entire episode. Like, because it was authentic and real and actually things that they would talk about. And that scene was very great. And yeah, you're right. The Ethan one was good too. That's the real problem here is that you just do that way better episode. Can't believe they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Instead, we get Jeff Probst making like cringy jokes about how the kids are going to do the challenges. (laughs) Very old Jeff Probst. Oh, yeah. Joke. <laughs> yeah, there's some, like, notable ones of, like, him calling uh, Denise's kid a young woman when she's 15. It was a little <laughs> odd. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I didn't think this episode super worked. There wasn't a whole lot to draw from. But I do think the weird thing about it, so that's the family visit. Um, we also had, like, maybe the, like, wackiest up there with, like, Advantage Geddon level survivor tribal ever like really so many advantages coming in at once that we haven't seen before utilized that way a vote split an idol and i really think that they did an okay job where i've seen a lot of people in my on my twitter timeline on reddit have like actual spirited debates about like did jeremy make the right call did kim screw up etc and i think that's maybe a testament to that they actually sold the story kind of well of like Maybe not the story, but functionally who's voting where in a way that was good enough. I feel like the problem with any of these debates is that I like even if Kim plays her idol right or how does she play it better, I guess, because it's still a 2-2 split on Denise and Sophie. Like there's more to the story that we're missing still. So I I feel like they still failed with the story because of all this chaos almost. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that. Um, And I guess to me. One of the interesting things here, at least based on how we were told, where it's basically there's 5-5, five, five, Jeremy ditches, Sarah uses the vote steal, mm-hmm. functionally making it 6-3. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a good argument here that every single person massively screwed up in a way that you would not expect from the greatest players of all time, um, <laughs> as we're being sold this way. For one, Kim Spradlin, lover, starting to maybe see why uh, she's getting dragged a little bit, because there's no reason in the entire world for her to idle Denise. In this situation, assuming they're playing even moderately cap- cap- like competently, the other side, they have six votes, you have three votes if you have Michelle. They can split 3-3 three, three and your idol is meaningless. It literally does nothing. There's no way to get somebody on the other side to go home unless you're just begging for them to screw up the split, which they kind of did, but you didn't have Michelle. So that's two failures there. The only time she should ever play her idol in this spot is if it's for herself and she's the one getting the votes. Playing right. it for somebody else is a logicless move. It really makes no sense. Uh, it's poor strategic planning. I'm assuming what happened is she had already committed to using it before all the craziness with the other advantages and just didn't think to not use it. I think I want to give like benefit of the doubt to Kim in that some way she thought it would <laughs> work. Like Because clearly we're not being told the full story. Like Michelle didn't vote with them. Yeah. Like, And I believe Denise didn't either like because it was two votes on sophie right it was so i believe it was kim and denise voted sophie oh weird so tyson didn't even vote oh actually yeah no <laughs> i guess oh denise didn't have a vote denise didn't have a vote she got a vote oh. 
right Duh. okay right yeah um yeah so yeah it was like everyone except michelle michelle had flipped i saw the voting after like they posted the voting confessionals after michelle mm-hmm. looks genuinely confused and like it and she said hail mary so i don't think she was included in the plan to vote out tyson Maybe someone just like whispered to her or something to vote Tyson and just just trust me because she really looked like she was terrified. Right. But I mean, this is this is all part of the problem. But yeah, I yeah. think I do agree. Basically, like in that crazy situation, if you're playing for yourself, like, yeah, play the idol for yourself. Like you can't outguess them any better than you probably think you can. So you might as well save yourself. That's even, my theory of it. Like if she had idol Tyson and like correctly called their bluff denise just goes home like right it's really a like a terrible idol play like it really doesn't make sense unless you're the one going home like or if Mm -hmm. i guess the universe where you care so much about your ally being in the game maybe they have two idols or uh their bonds are really important or whatever like you view like them leaving is worse than not having the idol i guess that's also a possibility but like your target's never going home at this tribal once sarah plays that vote steal if it's i guess it is because it's us five go over here and yeah i don't know it yeah when once sophie said that to me is like hey let's five go over here and don't say a word to the other ones i think they lost all like uh, like michelle i can't believe she voted with them like that seems like a I terrible bet- play I wonder if she didn't, thinking about her voting confession now, I think she might have thought it was the vote split of a 3-3, and thus, if three were on her, if she voted Tyson, that would at least... Oh, yeah. Maybe. So truly you're a right. Hail Mary, I think, from Michelle. But That probably is what it was, you're right. So so I think Michelle actually played a, a little optimally there. If, but I have to... There's so much we had to do to get to that point, because it wasn't told in the story, I yeah. feel. The other thing that I want to come for is the majority. They got potentially very lucky that Michelle voted with them because if they did, it, like they split the votes, uh, two like four two. If they just did three three, it's a lose lose situation. They got lucky that Michelle had voted with them because if Michelle had voted Sophie and Kim had voted Idol Tyson. Sophie goes home. I'm I'm almost curious. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But like maybe in like fourth dimensional survivor, did one of the people who's supposed to vote uh, um, Denise flip to Tyson in hopes that Sophie would be idled out and be, oops, it happened. (laughs) That would have been fun. I don't think so. It looks like because Sarah and Sophie were the two denise votes okay so it seems like they might have just come to that conclusion together that they should split the vote and they just didn't think to grab a third person either way i feel like there's a lot of bad strategy in this episode maybe that's another reason that like they only got the five minutes they're like "Mm, this is really ugly and they all play very badly right very possible Mm -hmm. um i do think that one of the primary factors for this is i at this point, believe that whispering has ruined a substantial portion of the game. I used to very much be, like, obviously, listeners of the podcast would know, I care a lot about audio fidelity, I am a video editor, like, I know how hard it is to capture audio. We actually have a good tweet from Nick Mariano, uh, star of Survivor Co. Wrong, where he said, Sometimes players whisper at camp, and everyone from producers to sound operators to camera persons get pissed it's rightly forbidden why they can't capture the story live tribals are great but if whispering is forbidden at camp it should be also at tribal that used to be my primary gripe with it and that i couldn't understand what was happening like they have so many uh people working on this show and to like miss stuff 
is it's probably so infuriating. It's so uh-huh. infuriating to me, the audience, missing stuff. That used to be my primary gripe with whispering at Tribal and just like chaos for chaos sake. But I think this episode kind of opened my eyes that I think it is the reason this season's strategy has been really like super chaotic in quotation marks, as in no one's willing to say a name at camp. Why? Because they know at Tribal they can organize five people and talk alone that's not what tribal's supposed to be it's supposed to be a cutoff point i really think survivors lost the plot with this because there's no reason to ever decide anything before tribal in the modern era of survivor because it gives them more time to counter against you if you just decide at tribal there's less time for the opposition to counter anything it becomes optimal play to do nothing until tribal and that's awful for the game yeah i think maybe the one exception is if you are but it's only like in times of insurrection where you need to talk to someone who you wouldn't be whispering to at tribal council but yeah i mean if you allow this whispering here it just means you can whisper to the people you trust and also to the people you don't trust but the people with you know what you're telling them is truth so yeah it might as well yeah it's just the strategy that we see throughout like between the immunity challenge and tribal and so yeah i think it's just now that um live tribals are sort of adored like people apparently like them i don't know if people actually do like them but like they're acceptable in a season of all winners what's going to obviously happen is people are going to push that to its optimal limit and then yeah all your strategy is going to get pushed into this whispering at tribal council which you can't listen to for one and yeah it does stifle this gameplay where you can just have people whisper all over and they know that's the definite plan exactly because at camp you can you can rally five people together, right? You can be like, hey, us five, let's go talk by the well. And you come up with a plan. Let's vote out Adam. Okay, you vote three there, two there, cool. Uh, we'll put two on Nick, whatever. Mm-hmm. But right after, I say Tony's in that conversation. Tony can go sneak over and have a one-on-one conversation with Sarah and be like, okay, this is what's happening. That's like the foundation of survivor strategy, right? Is you can't keep your eyes on everybody at all times. The Boston Rob thing, right? Like the buddy system episode we got earlier in the season. The whole point of that was so people couldn't splinter off and talk to each other one-on-one. Why? Because that's a very powerful thing. The fact that they're able to do that at tribal to me is like a, it's like a, it's like an advantage on its own because nowhere else in the game of survivor can you grab five people and be like, look, we're the only five that are talking. Therefore, you know this plan's real. It mm-hmm. literally, like, unlike fire tokens, removes a layer of duplicity from the game completely because you can see who's talking to people. You spin around in a circle. Those five are together. These four are not. That's math. It turns it into a basic adding and subtraction game. And I think that's terrible. You, the survivor doesn't need more ways for people to implicitly trust each other. It does not. That's dangerous. Um... I really think that's it's terrible. I think it's terrible and awful and harmful for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to just sort of this like op like min maxing of Survivor, I think the way we saw those sort of advantages play out sort of is leading to that as well. Where like you have uh, Sarah and Jeremy want to play their advantages, but they also want to see the other person play their advantage to see if it affects what they're doing. So you have this stalemate between them. And eventually Jeremy did like sort of settle on it, but just, I guess the idea that there's no definitive, like like Jeff was like, okay, no, we're going to. And then they were allowed to jump up again and say, no, I do want to play. Yep. And so 
I think not having procedures, I guess, for that. And I guess you don't want to make like Survivor like this Robert's Rules of Order meeting and such. But by doing that, it sort of it pushes everyone to like play as optimally as possible. And often that's not interesting i think another scenario is jeremy's allowed to play his advantage and then everyone can then rally after that like Mm. what's the point of the advantages then if it doesn't sort of cause like the actual chaos i think that makes survivor exciting yep it's like Like it should be so jarring to a majority if like one person just can't be voted for anymore and time travel back to some of survivors most iconic moments go to the three amigos tribal at uh in survivor caramoan not a great season fantastic tribal council why they use the element of surprise against the majority and it disrupts them it forces them to have to decide out loud who they're gonna have to vote the this like whispering and like allowing people to talk after like these things have been played is really bad because you go back to these moments they're fun because somebody used the element of surprise of they can no longer talk one-on-one against them all the public idol like um, people wearing the immunity idol around their neck and being like, vote for me now, guys. The Ben bombs, none of them work in a in the new era at all. Like all those fun moments that did exist can no mm-hmm. longer exist. If you time travel back and put this new meta there, instead the majority just decides to split the vote on somebody else instead right. of something interesting happening. There's that moment in Worlds Apart where... It's just Mike and Shireen in the majority. And Mike is like, I might play this idol on Shireen. And that causes legitimate chaos because like some of the people split and they vote Tyler or Dan. In this case, they could have just all rallied and been like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And yeah, yeah let's have just... a meeting for 15 minutes where we hash out all of our concerns of how to optimally split this. Yeah. That's not exciting television. Like exciting moments get ruined because of this it's so bad and like i know part of it is also in worlds apart like there is a lack of trust between some of those people but you're trying to tell me that this alliance is strong now when like nick and was on the minority last episode and now he's firmly rooted in the majority like yeah it's like you gather your troops for that vote and then you go you say hey we're gonna add tribal gonna go stand in a corner and that's when we're gonna decide who to vote for Yeah, I mean, it really ties into your point, like, by Sophie just saying these five, like, you expect that to be definite, and there's nothing that can be done. Like, Yeah, nothing shows trust more than that, right? Like, if Sophie has, like, a side deal with Michelle or something, right? Like, you don't have to worry about that if you're any of those people in that five, because you know that she's bringing you over. It's physically showing people the manipulation, which gives you, like, an error in trust. Like, it gives you more powerful trust than you can get naturally i think it's really bad i think aside from that i do want to mention how there was just an advantage that nobody mentioned and that was michelle's 50 50 coin like theoretically if she's in the minority like that should be important to her but no mention of it even though it happened literally last episode yeah that's a little weird and sophie's idol was not mentioned that too which was uh, to me anyway very obvious that sophie would not be going home because oh yeah she had the idol. She didn't mention, hmm, maybe I'll use it. And she was the right. decoy boot. Like, really small things like that suck away all the drama. There's, like, in the five minutes of strategy, a lot of the lists of names feel edited together to suit the moment. Like, yeah. you can see where they either added names from other sections or omitted names to make it make sense. Because in the end, it was still a 5-5 split. So, like, at worst, or at best, 
the minority was getting a tie. So mm-hmm. it, it, we just didn't get the full picture. And if it continues this way, it's really, it's really, really bringing down a season we loved even for its legends, but it's bringing it down even more. Yeah, 100%. And I guess that brings us here to, we got a listener question that I think is very good, um, which is, so obviously Tyson left. And we've made a big deal over the season about how he's the only one with family content, like the only one with personal content. And that's a bizarre thing that we are kind of trying to wrap our minds around. So we got a listener question from Thorfist22 that said, do you think that Tyson's elimination shows that there's a new family visit boot edit? Historically, I've always been of the opinion that for the most part, there's a winner edit, arguably like a fallen angel edit, arguably sometimes losing finalists look a little different than other people. But other than that, I don't think there's a such thing as a sixth place edit or anything like that. Um, But you know what, Joe, this episode made me go back, look at the other recent family visit boot edit people. And I think I've come to the conclusion that there probably is one. I think, uh, I don't know, I think maybe I was a little bit too resistant to that pattern which I think honestly is one at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely with this elimination here, Karishma's last time, it sort of does get you thinking like, is this a trend going forward? Has this been something that I've just missed? And so, yeah, I'm glad we can sort of consider it from here on out. I think definitely if you look at Tyson and Karishma and then Ron Clark before that also, it's just these consistent references to family and like yep. the importance of back home. And it's often really complicated. Like Tyson was dealing with like, am I doing the right? Like, is this what I should be doing for my family? Like, this is my occupation. Um, He says multiple times. Yeah. Karishma talks about like her, just her background and how she was in an arranged marriage and she wasn't sure if it was right. And then the very end of her story, it's all about how it's the one person she can trust um, amidst a bunch of people. Uh, Ron Clark was... I think always talking about how he's doing it for people back home and uh, would bring that up. So, and Ron Clark, I think is, so he's the third most recent one uh, is the most interesting here. I think because his is kind of ironic. What part of his story was because he was the puppet master. He was playing more sneaky than people thought. And he was specifically using the loved one promise of the loved ones visit to try to hold on to a majority. Like that was a comma did that, that like him and Eric, I believe were trying to use the loved ones visit to like rope people in be like oh don't you want to make it there we'll bring you there and then after that it's open season so it's very interesting that he's also there i think survivor in general has started to take a more from the end backwards approach um to their storytelling which is kind of inherently how edric works anyway is that they know who wins. So all every single interaction is colored by the opinion that that person played the best. Mm-hmm. Kind of inherently the thing here. Maybe they're just paying more attention to the family visit. I think that's very possible. Like, oh, their story relates to their family in this way. And Tyson's case, it's, well, he cared. He was really struggling whether being a professional survivor player was the right thing for his family. Is the chance at $2 million worth not being there? for 39 days with his young children. And I think they just take that and put it more throughout the season. I think it makes more sense that they're paying more attention to it. And looking at the recent ones, like the one that immediately sprung up to my mind when um, I saw this question was Joe Anglum in Cambodia, like second chance. A lot of his story in that season was about how he missed out on the family visit in his season. And he really wanted to see his dad uh, be there on the beach with him. That was his survivor dream. 
and he gets voted out at that tribal. I think that's the one where he collapses and all that. Like, I really do mm-hmm. think that this probably is a thing, and they're just paying more attention to it now. I think it also helps that Survivor continues to move more into this, uh, favoring the game and the strategy over, like, the people and, like, the personal nature of it. So... As they as we get further into that, I think it's more highlighted when people have more of an emphasis on their family. I mean, we're talking this season about how no one has personal content but Tyson. And so, yeah, these edits, I think, stick out more as time goes by. Yeah, in hindsight, like, I, I feel like Tyson was probably a fairly obvious family boot edit person. And, I mean, shout out, I like, I talk after, after every episode, I, like, I watch with my girlfriend, uh, we talk about it. I'm like episode two. She was like, "So Tyson's gonna like get voted family visit." I'm like, I I I went on my rant about like, "Oh, there's no such thing as a family visit boot edit." Blah blah blah. In hindsight, maybe I should have saw this coming. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it is a thing. And I I also think like there's the, these are the obvious ones like Karishma, Tyson, Ron Clark are pretty in your face talking about family visit explicitly or their family back home or something like that joe mm-hmm. too but there are some that i think are kind of interesting one uh fan favorite game changer sierra don thomas was the family boot edit twice that's <laughs> wild to me that's i don't think she really fits the pattern but yeah, um, i think she is probably the outlier uh twice. if we're going back to like i think we went back to season 28 in our research but uh <laughs> yeah i don't associate sierra don thomas with like family and sentimentality no. like one time she was very under the radar the other she was sort of this game bot sheriff yeah so. yeah like it is kind of an interesting cast of characters like um spencer obviously the the uh, kagiyan one was very late and Mm-mm. i mean his story was like not being content with himself so it doesn't super fit one that i thought was kind of interesting doesn't quite work is Kyle Jason in Survivor Co. Wrong. He they didn't actually have a family visit, but they had this weird like monkey sanctuary moment where they all reflected on their family in that episode. Like in that reward challenge, they all got to do that. And it was like overtly that way because they didn't get a family visit. And his story was so much surrounded by his child that I really think that he fits this pattern too, despite being a little bit of a off kilter one there. I don't know. Yeah I, yeah. I think that's as close as you can get. if There's no family visit and sort of the discussion always around Kyle. Jason is like that. He is this really complex villain who like some people love and some people hate. And like, I think it is because there was this complexity to him where he was the villain of the season, but he was also always talking about his family. And so yeah, I do think he fits this trend. Yeah. A side note, I think he's a fantastic character, by the way. I wish Survivor would go that route more often. I don't think there's been a good villain since Kyle Jason. Like, Yeah, level, I think but. it's been a while, but I think I don't like him, but I get, I think he serves a good purpose for the show and more people should be edited like him. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm firmly of the opinion that I don't really care about them being good people. That's, to me, this is a television product, but... <laughs> That's my bias there. The others sure. are like, you got the Zeeks and Lauren Rimmers of the world and Gabby's who I think were presented as like emotional tied characters. Like there's a sentimentality behind their edits that yeah. probably binds them in some way. I'll never forget the, one of the best survivor scenes ever. I think is the scene where Zeke and Brett are talking and bonding over what it means to be gay across generations. Brilliant 
storytelling in that episode. And I think a lot of Zeke's story was about how great of a game bot he was. But also, I think it was probably maybe a little bit more sentimental than it would have been if he was not the family boot edit. Mm -hmm. That's probably a way to view it, I guess. Right. Yeah, I think what those characters pointed out, it's like a... Like, they are more familiar. Like, Lauren and Gabby had their moments of gameplay, but they were also, I feel, more developed as, like, people. Like, Lauren, I feel, we got as a person. And Gabby, too. Like, she was always trying to play the game, but it was this intense emotionality that we saw mostly. Yeah, Yeah, and, like, Gabby's whole story was, like, emotions aren't weakness. It's, like... It's okay to be strong and cry and all that kind of stuff. Like, really a very sentimental edit. And I think that's mm-hmm. um, probably something that binds them. But next season, if there is a next season, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> apparently there will be. But I think if somebody is overtly talking about the family visit, maybe pencil them in as a potential family visit boot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to go through all the seasons, we can't forget the one person we've left out. Uh, Chelsea Townsend of Ghost Island. <laughs> She like sitting in her like tight like her family visit was very revelatory because we hadn't got much from her before. But like, yeah, yeah, she doesn't really fit the pattern. <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes you're just gonna end up like because ultimately what this is is it's from a bias, right? Where they they're like, oh, this is a fun conclusion to this person's story. How do we fit that into the rest of their story? Mm-hmm. Like, meeting their family is a really convenient end for story. And I think that's why we see it. Um, right. They just built the story more around that idea. Cause we know like Jeff sits there for hours with narrative producers in a room and it's like, okay, so this is this person's story and it means this, and it's really about this. And that's where all this comes from is it's a bias from that. Um, mm-hmm. If they don't have a connection, there, there won't be one. Like sometimes you will get nothing. Well, but. and like you said earlier, I think the winner story always outweighs this. Yeah. So, with Ghost Island, it was very clear they weren't giving, like, whatever Chelsea deserved to her in the edit. So that's why she doesn't fit the bill here. Because her story doesn't play in well with the story they were trying to tell with Wendell. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I, I think, yeah, there there probably is one. Definitely one developing. Like, keep an eye yeah. out for, like, I mean, references to family is silly because a lot of people do that and... It doesn't necessarily mean they're going out in this position. That's why I had Tyson as my like number one contender yeah. last week. Um, but it's definitely like returned to over the season. Like Tyson got it in the premiere and then on the edge, and then he came back. Karishma got it multiple times throughout the season. And I mean, you look at the two seasons, like the two most recent seasons, especially. No one talked about their family more than those two people, like at right. all. Like, sure, other people do it, but demonstrably we talked about how both of them talked about their family significantly more in a more complex way than anybody else Mm -hmm. ron clark is a little bit different because his was a little bit of an ironic back like uh on its head story but i think the fact that there's three obvious ones back to back is probably a pattern and the ones before that are getting increasingly more that way too and also well i guess it's yet to be said with this season and last season had tommy like very obviously there from the start but with uh the original edge of extinction where you had chris underwood coming out of nowhere there wasn't this huge winter story to tie it to so it's yeah. easier to maybe prioritize prioritize this edit that's a good point maybe it colors the idea that uh um <laughs> Edge of Extinction person is going to win this one, too. Who knows? Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's this episode, obviously. Um, we pretty much covered everything. Um, and we'll move on to the stories. Again, because there wasn't that much, this episode did 
to me, almost nothing to accelerate the stories. But there are a few moments that uh, we'll get to. Right. I mean, the obvious one to highlight is the one we've been talking about, how you use your past to create your present. We've tied this with age and life experience, having children, um, being parents. And obviously, that's huge in this episode. Anyone who was a parent got to comment in some way on their being a parent. Um, Just, yeah, it's there. I mean, I don't know if anything revelatory was said about it, but someone, I think I did read on Reddit, someone mentioned how the strong focus there is on families and children and parents. I'm now of the opinion, Joe, um, I have eliminated anyone who doesn't have a kid. I I already kind of did that anyway. My contenders coincidentally matched up with that. But like, I, I think only a parent can win this season. I think that's what I learned the most from this is, yeah, there's such an obvious kid or uh, opposite of kid parent um, theme in this season. It's it's really in your face. Right. That's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was about to say was, I think you almost have to, I mean, I haven't done that. So who am I to talk? <gasps> but um, yeah, there's a very clear preference towards parents and maybe it's a surprise that someone doesn't have them and comes out with the victory. I mean, I I chose who my top contender was based on who had a child, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, is I think if you're weighing two people, I really think that the way this is going, someone without a kid can't beat someone without a kid on the jury. Like, I think that's that's the level I'm seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the fa- I, one, I guess this is a side note, I would be livid if I was out there on Survivor and I got one person to come out, and these people, like, Jeremy gets, like, seven ludicrous. Right. I would be so <laughs> mad. I mean, uh, that probably speaks to how bitter and salty of a human being I am, but, like, and I, I was... wouldn't be happy for them if I'm a Sophie. Like, mm-hmm. And I was going to mention earlier when we were talking about the family visit, is there's, like, an interesting, what makes part of it interesting in other seasons is that they have to choose one person. <laughs> so... Like, I think it's interesting that Kim has just her sister out here. Like, Kim could have, or not Kim, sorry, uh, Michelle. Michelle is just her sister. Like, she could have, or she should have been able to bring whoever she wanted, I guess. But, like, why did she choose her sister as opposed to, like, parents or stuff? And Yeah. All that. So, yeah, when you bring out your whole family, it really brings up that point of repetition where it's like, oh, yeah, everyone has a partner and children. Yeah, Yay. picture, like, I mean, throwback to, like, Game Changers. Sari had to bring one of her kids. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, that's unfair to Sari, who had to pick one kid of, I don't know how many kids Sari has, but I think it's more than one. Um, And then Jeremy could just bring his entire family. Like, I'm sorry, it's a little unfair. That's all I'm going to say. Right. But yeah, no, they, this theme was here. Um, And I think... Like, that's the major one of this episode, I think, is how important kids were. Hmm. Additionally, I do think the other part where this was really manifesting itself in an interesting way, and maybe the subversion on the theme, Tony comes out and he's like, oh my god, I want a challenge based on patience and calmness and, like, moving slowly. That's not who I am. I'm usually fast and sloppy. I think it was very interesting. There's a lot of focus on that. You had him say it in confessional. You had Ben say it on camp uh you had kind of like a community group being like oh my god tony won a challenge about being patient Mm -hmm. and i think that was uh, probably a relevant thing as well right um next uh we wanted to bring this theme up for different reasons um it's the old crab versus snake forfeit this battle to win the war 
And I just thought it was relevant to Jeremy's move of if things were as we thought they were going to be, it was a 5-5 split. Um, Jeremy using his advantage means that he is winning a battle, but not considering the war. So that was sort of my tie into it. But then I was informed. The more important factor, of course, the crab from episode one is back. Um, <laughs> right after Jeremy wins the immunity <laughs> challenge, I'll put this in the show notes. The same freaking crab is back in the episode, the crab won the war. That's all that matters. And if you remember, the snake is the one that retreated in episode one. What does that mean? The crab who did not retreat won the war. Bad news for Jeremy. That's I don't I'm know. If, but like the crab is present now. So maybe the snake comes back later and actually wins the war. Well, if the, if the crab had died or something, I'd agree with you. But the crab's clearly alive. I mean, we've got like, what, four episodes left? True, true. There's snake a lot of roadway for this story. I mean, ultimately, the problem with this is no one's been tied to either animal. Yeah. So, and animal symbolism is often uh, not a... Dodgy well, at best. Yeah, like, not a good way to look at the edit, usually. Like, remember when everyone thought Haley was the shark? Sharkly Ford! Nothing came of it. Um, so, but interesting. I totally missed the crab coming back. So I'm yeah, glad it was but, pointed out to me. Yeah, we... Uh like always highlight which ones we're going to use, which stories are present in the episode. And I saw this one highlighted. I'm like, Oh, Joe saw the same thing I did. And not at all how that worked at all. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with your point though. I think an interesting thing in this episode was, I think Jeremy saying something along the lines of as a firefighter, we don't leave our family behind. I'm in the business of helping people and I want to never defect from my team. He leaves and then you have multiple jury members be like, yo, he left his squad. Wendell says that. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, like the traitor, is going to be a story here. Right. One that I'm excited for anyway. I think that'll be pretty captivating. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the, the other part that we've kind of tied to this is, oh, no, I guess this is a different one. But the chaotic pace of the game being, um, oh, and actually, before we get to that, I do think Kim's, Kim's story here, where she's deciding whether to play the idol or not, pretty tied to it, right? Like, she's like, no, I need to win this battle, right? Sure. Yeah. Make a move that sends her to the edge. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of was thinking she might idol herself out in this episode. I'm not going to I mean, lie. yeah, that's, that's what I thought, for sure. Like, but going now, into tribal, I'm like, oh, oh, no. Because apparently she's a giant target. New information. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense for a Kim departure. But now we have this weird uber threat Kim sticking around, so... And I mean, Sarah did say if she doesn't take out Kim right now, Kim's going to win. So <sighs> just me. I need to <laughs> I need to have my type five on Kim later. So <laughs> cool. Um, next up is old school and new school players. I think I just wanted to touch on here that like I really like I really did like the way the edge scene was handled um, with Adam and his dad that was super touching and it's just a reminder of kind of the difference there but i do mm -hmm. think that the way this was more relevant to the story going for oh and I, i'll wait for that when i get to adam the chaotic pace of the game tony being the opposite of who he used to be i think is the relevant thing here. and how the chaotic pace slowed down for everybody like sarah's confessional but like her son's dancing with the enemy mm -hmm. but it did it just picked back up too so oh yeah that was completely ignored afterwards yes yeah so but they do want to highlight whether for like necessity because there's all these whispers and late game decisions being made that it's very chaotic and nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. So 
Agreed. Uh, the only other interesting thing here is when Ben says, like, I'm so glad we don't have to compete for our loved ones, I would say, as a counter to that, Ben. Uh, you are on a competitive reality show, but uh, I digress. Right. I mean, you did say it was the biggest blind side of the game so far, so that, that kind of links in. That's true. Um, otherwise, for stories, I don't have anything else. I mean, you could mention how uh, Lions and Hyenas wasn't here. Thank but, goodness. Uh, I'm surprised you're saying that because I think it just ties into one specific person, obviously. So uh, I I'll, have no idea what you're talking about. For me, I'll mention that later. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I do want to touch on this one before we move on. Okay. I think it's very interesting. This is basically the first episode in like, I don't know, two months that it hasn't either overtly been mentioned or like take out big threats. Like one of these has been mentioned pretty overtly this one's not i think that's good for a lot of people but also just for the season like we get it at this point i don't think they need to keep doing it i would say that it's very interesting that someone who is very overtly labeled as a bagel lion um just got voted out and there was no mention of it i think that's an interesting part to the uh unfolding of what the season's all about truly interesting very interesting um i don't i honestly i think that I think they might just be over this, like explaining it again. Like seeing Tony actually give confessionals about what's happening right now. Good Lord. He's so much better. That's all I, all I got to say. I just thought it was a very interesting absence of it or oh, yeah. something that is so apparently tied to uh, someone's winning story. Hmm. <laughs> and I guess that brings us to the edge of extinction. Mm hmm. Oh, I guess the only thing, fire tokens, now they give out two. Like, they still have no purpose to anybody in the game. Like, Yeah, they're like, at this point, they're de-incentivizing winning immunity. Yeah. Like, I don't want that target on my back. I'm sure people were not trying as hard because that's more of a target. Yeah, like, we're at the final 10 here, and, like, no one has any idea what they do other than sometimes they show up, a thing shows up in your bag. I'm yeah, sure I'm Tyson to... explained how it worked to everybody, but, like... Oh, maybe. It's still random. Like, there's no set system. It's like, oh, maybe they'll find something on the island and maybe they'll choose to sell it to you. Mm -hmm. It's not that captivating to want to win immunity. <laughs> I'm right. sorry, it's not. Right. It's really like like three layers of randomness. And then maybe you even get a random coin. Like, it's mm -hmm. not that strong. I don't know. You can use, like, what, three tokens to talk to someone on the edge? That's Sounds true. good. <laughs> three tokens. Hey, can you sell me something? Oh, I spent all my tokens on talking to you never mind here's my essay on why you should vote for me when and if i make the end yeah like that won't <laughs> backfire i wonder if it's like a one-on-one -on -one, like do they get like to like sit and talk or like I i'm thinking know. like the amazon survivor of the amazon the retreat thing where like they pick the tribes mm -hmm. i'm picturing that like they get mm. to sleep on a bed like that would be kind of cool <laughs> but it's probably like they get to send a note or something stupid like it's like it's probably stupid seeing how they've done this so far it's probably, probably stupid probably irrelevant given that yeah. it's like a freeze frame bonus that you have to like look at it and see that that's one of the advantages well i guess joe do you think say it's like the final five is it not powerful then no because the edge of extinction person is there never mind there's like maybe at the very end of the game it's useful but it's turns unuseful because somebody comes back yeah i guess it's like see it's that like optimal thing of like at the very very end you could like use whatever tokens you have left because you didn't have any use for them so far to like send a legitimately like okay i want you to know as opposed to these questions i have to answer at the final tribal council how i played my game and like what's important but like you can easily see that backfire though right like people like if you give people more time to read like 
people talking about a game very seriously in that way. I feel like it, it turns it into comedy quickly. People look for something to make fun of. True. Like if someone's being real sincere in the letter and they're like, I fought and I battled, like people can make fun of that. Um, it's just like how humans work. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. And it's also hard because like, again, the Edge of Extinction person coming in at the final five really complicates that because what's the value in doing that when you're going to hear what they said anyway? Like Edge of Extinction dude's going to say, oh, they're the biggest jury threat or whatever. So right. vote them out. Rep Victoria. That's going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which brings us to the Edge of Extinction. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, everybody got their loved ones. Everybody except one person got a confessional. Pretty big episode for The Edge. Good content in here. I would have preferred either make this a web scene or cut the actual people on in the games stuff like we said earlier. I think the, mm-hmm. both of these being so long really was a detriment to the episode. But you know what? I don't know if I would trade the scene with Adam and his dad or Parvati and John Fincher. Like, those were really good. Ethan and his uh, g- girlfriend, wife. Um, all really good. Like, all good, awesome content. Yeah. So, mixed on it overall. Yeah, it is sort of shocking to think in retrospect that they almost all got a confessional when, like, only three people got it during the, like, Koru scene. Um, so that, I guess, kind of should be good for the Edge of Extinction, but I didn't also come out of here feeling like that. Yeah, no, I think it's more what we said earlier that this is just the better way to do this because you actually got good scenes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the worst one, like Danny and her mom or kid or whatever, mom and kid or grand, I don't know, whoever it was, was way more captivating than the best in-game loved right. one interaction. Straight up. Um, right, and right. that's how much better it was. In fact, I don't know if we're like doing like highlights on like Edge of Extinction people. But I'm just going to jump straight to Danny. I think weirdly, like, even though she didn't get a confessional, like, they did everything they could to be like, look at Danny and how much she, like, loves her family. She got, like, like, a slow-mo drop to the ground. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm still high on Danny (laughs) returning. Shockingly Uh, same. Mostly uh, because I think a lot of these people, and actually, I do want to go through everybody here because I think it's kind of interesting. But, yeah, we'll finish out Danny, I guess. I think that Danny emerged as all these other not all these other people but a lot of them got their story cut like this is the end of their story very overtly and danny did not that's probably very good um also maybe channel some of that dog that didn't bark energy uh with tina i think yeah the sort of energy i'm continuing to get from danny is that her story has is not over like (laughs) which is bizarre and i'm here for when she wins the returning I mean, it challenge could be her story ends when i don't know she finds a super idol and sells it like that's possible but it is True. important to note at this point i think you check off people who have a story that's over people who do not um right and yeah that's to me danny i don't think she's number one anymore um I, she might not have been number one last week she was number one or two she's she's probably like number three now for me to come back um but I think yeah she's still, she's still number one maybe it's wishful thinking but so i guess we'll go first here to i guess second here to adam his story's <laughs> when, over right yeah when you talk about the stories with that are ended like he literally said the word like closure I was oh like, yeah oh, okay <laughs> this was so. channeling some kelly wentworth energy like mm-hmm. literally staring off into the sunset being like i think this is closure for my survivor game <laughs> like Okay, yeah. Adam. Um, yeah, he's not coming back, unfortunately. I mean, if you're still like 
buying into whatever drags of like the bizarre Adam Winter edit, like this fits in, I suppose. I just yeah. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, you're right. It's either Adam is winning or is not coming back. And I think it's like I I would put ninety nine to one odds on that myself. But, right. Um right. you're right. Like there is, I guess, the room that this is the introduction of the personal content he needed. So if you're an Adam believer, this is, you're probably higher on him now. Mm -hmm. Amazing scene, like really fantastic. Like Adam is again, giving everything to this season. I hope he gets more content in the future. I think like Kelly Wentworth, it's very possible. He literally goes invisible for the rest of the season. Sure. Yeah. This scene was one of the tearjerkers for me. Oh yeah. Just, this is the only uh, one that did anything for me, to be honest. Oh wow. Like, Like, I don't know. And I mean, I think it was the most emotional, but it was also the best edited. It was really well done. The music swelled in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. It was good. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the only one. Like there was, a, uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. Amber. She's just like good. the like mom of Edge of Extinction. Like yes. she gets to narrate like how people feel. Yeah, you're right. Shocker. They feel great about their families being here. But like. We were hungry. No, <laughs> we were not hungry. We were happy. That's Amber. <laughs> yep. I'm yep. still all in Amber 3.0. Let's or 4.0. Wait. Yeah. 4.0. Yeah. I'd like to see her actually play without Boston Robin, without the threat of like a married couple on the island. Like she's a I good know. professionalist. She's fun. She needs like not to be a returnee. Like I want people who don't know who Amber is. I think you could maybe not with this season happening so recently, but like say this didn't happen and Survivor 41 happened instead and she debuted as uh, Nicole. Like, here's <laughs> Nicole on your tribe. I don't think anyone would notice. Yeah, like Survivor 50, I don't know who Amber is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be fun. <laughs> um, we talked about Danny. Oh, Amber's not coming back. Like No, like, <laughs> good to see her again, but we've already settled that she's not coming back. Yeah. Ethan, great content. This was a lot of fun, I thought. Not, maybe not fun. Fun is probably the wrong word, but it was touching. Yeah. Um. Maybe. It's just, I think Ethan has had this consistent problem of, like, all his content simultaneously feels like closure and pumping you up for him to return. So it's Yeah, like, that's the, you're right. It's like, he is <laughs> the weirdest one of all of these where it feels like his story has ended like eight times. And right. I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. Um, this one didn't super feel like closure to me and felt like there actually might be more. I, I thought because he was sitting right next to that mast. I thought he was going to like leave. Yeah, I thought he's going to leave, too. <laughs> like <laughs> definitely thought he's going to leave. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he's not not coming back to me. Like if he's coming back. He's probably getting voted out immediately afterwards. Like, he's in that tier to me. Right. I mean, there's two tiers. There's, like, does well when they come back and, like, immediately revolving door. Ethan is, can come back revolving door. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Natalie, mm, I'm slowing down on Natalie myself. This episode I thought was good. I mean. Yeah. Agreed. That baby gave her good vibes for the challenge. So, that's, that's true. important to, I don't know. Yeah, I'm now of the opinion that if she's coming back, she's probably getting a revolving door. Yeah, I would say Natalie maybe hasn't had any closure. Agreed. So, like, her door is the most open, I would say. That's actually very fair. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, is it's hard to say. I would say I would give Natalie 0% chance of winning. Yeah. But coming back i don't know it's not zero she maybe me, she's probably number two uh, i think it ever third interesting interesting so you have danny one uh let's go to parvati i have hers number one at this point um yeah, she's my number two yeah i think it's pretty obvious this was a great scene seeing john fincher not a poser uh great guy um it was awesome like i really like 
that's the moments I really liked was like, oh, I've seen them on TV before. Um, <laughs> I know that reference. But yeah, like Parvati got great content here. Like the whole time she's been on Edge and in the game, she got pretty good content. I think she's the only one here that can win. If Parvati comes back, she has some some percent chance to win the game. Yeah, I think I see it. it would, it's such an interesting story if that's what we're being told is that <laughs> Parvati wins this game after spending like three weeks on Edge of Extinction. But yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know, like, We've seen, like, her doing all the yoga and, like, I don't know. It makes sense. She even got that Phoenix confessional in episode one. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. Um, Love Parvati. Uh, she French kissed her kid. It was gross. That's okay. all I gotta say. So I didn't believe this happened. I, you had to show me the tapes. Uh, but it, it, I think her kid French kissed her. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> kid French kissed her. Still weird. I don't know. I don't have a kid. Um, but I, it's still a little odd. I don't know. It's like when people let their dog lick inside their mouth. It's like, like mm, ain't about that. I don't know. Looking at the picture now, it, it looks pretty cute. So the picture isn't as bad as the motion because <laughs> the tongue retracts a couple times. And yeah, this is, that's all I like. Literally, all I could think about when I was watching the episode. Um, but yeah, Rob. Um. Ooh, he, he felt like, like such an afterthought. Like mm-hmm. several people got to touch on like, oh, my family is here and that's so nice. And then it's just like this like one line Rob confession about how great it is to finally have family here. I'm yeah. Like, oh, you're done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like it's shocking that Amber is more prominent than Boston Rob. Mm-hmm. Like Amber like bookends this sequence where she's the yeah. one talking about how happy they are. And then she's waving goodbye. And Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Wendell. He likes his dad. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> Wendell and Yule both had very like, ah, oh, family, so great. But like, I felt a little like the end, like it was this nice touching scene to see. I would say family. that they this didn't feel like the end of a story for either, either of them, which I guess is theoretically good. But it also felt like Survivor just felt obliged to give them something too. Like, Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's like, oh, and they're too, they're here too. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm um it's like yeah i don't know like maybe more to come like that's the thing they have no closure for me like they're open books still but they've been given nothing so and i mean last season we or last edge of extinction we had that episode where they all got the letters they had written to themselves at the beginning of the game and that was very touching content so we might still have that in the tank for edge of extinction stuff true and i will say i thought that was lame then too um (laughs) i I don't want anything to be said that this was touching uh i thought that was the lamest thing they've ever done but just you wait danny on a rock talking about how she came for an amazing win in guatemala and now she's learned she hit her game from the tv show the first time she's come to do it again (laughs) how how do i most optimally not be on the tv show devoted out third yeah Mm -hmm. um no like 100 percent. i i think you're right they probably will do that because i think a lot of people liked it i still thought it was cringy um (laughs) i don't know like letters to yourself cute and grade eight that's all i'm gonna say um (laughs) which brings us here to the Koru tribe and we start with Ben huge prominent figure this episode right like he got the biggest family moment probably he got the confessional talking about how he's glad they weren't fighting he got to talk about Tony um he got to re-engage into the battle like he was the one who was like thank god we're not fighting and then he got the one that kicked off the strategic portion where he's like now the guns are out let's go yeah he got like both return from commercial like confessionals mm-hmm. like it's very narrative and i don't know i think 
as we go into the actual tribe, uh, I think I have two things. First, obviously with the family visit, like everyone is positively toned and that always makes it hard for an edgic tart. Like, cause you want to give everyone positive tone unless, and I usually default to if they had an extraordinarily positive episode. Yeah. Like that's when I give them tone. So like, I didn't give anyone positive tone on Koru's side. I think I just gave it to Adam on the edge of extinction. Like that was really the only one that hit stronger for me, but I mean, really everyone was positive. Um, Yeah. That's the thing is, to me, with the family visit especially, there's two ways of thinking about it. One is give everybody positive or be very selective of who was not positive. I think you're, I think we both have the same approach where it's be sparing with it because if, like, to me, positive only matters if you're more positive notably than everybody else. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just a meaningless concept. Like, yeah. And yeah, Ben. It's pretty dang close, I think, to being positive here. Yeah, I would say he would be up there on the list. Oh, for me, I put him as positive. I put him as Miller Road sure. positive. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, because he got the, I think, by far the biggest family moment, him and Tony, probably. Um, and he got so much about himself and about how he's playing. Hmm. Ben's clearly like the guy that they like no matter what going to like he's their favorite character i think he's probably the biggest character in the game at this point um right i guess the second thing i was gonna say is that uh it'll be clear nine people from now that i've fallen off whatever hint of a train i was on uh with tony and maybe it's just denial but i'm thinking either it is one of the people i have as a front contender or we're looking at someone who's just been consistent throughout the season maybe didn't have a perfect winner edit but it's better than some of the sort of distraction edits we're seeing and i think ben can sort of fit into that in some way oh yeah like i don't have him as a contender or anything but he's just been around and they clearly like to refer to him as we saw in this episode so i think if it's if we're being served up distractions in a sort of like rick devon's way or a christian ubiki way I think Ben slots into people like he's sort of a Nick character where I think his flaws make more sense to me as a winner. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they were all justified, too. Like, right. That's the thing is, and I've been kind of saying this this whole time. The only reason Ben is not my number one winner contender is because he was on Sele and then on. I forget what the second was he on Sele both times. No, Sele and then Yara. Uh, Yara, which is good. I think that's good for him. Um, I just think. That original Sally, I think, to me, was so obviously uncomplex. Ben is the winner if it's if complex tribe theory is dead. Like that's how I view it. Um, but I, Give, I would almost say, that. given how this season has completely abandoned everything pre-merge, like that honestly doesn't read as strongly for me. And and people were debating, like, is it Sally or is it uh, what is the other tribe the called? Call. Decal. I mean, I yeah. I would still say Decal, but like, I think it was very obviously Decal to me. Like, hmm. like there was there was a question for a moment, but by the end, like you left Sally with like no bonds at all and no <laughs> connections. I don't know. To me, Ben's story is the kind of winner story I want to happen. Like, it's a good winner story where you get you get the good and the bad. You get Ben looking dumb to Boston Rob, but also him, like I said, always having the eye on the prize. Um. You even get that in this episode, right? Like he's a very clear story of he fumbles, but he's able to pick it up better than anybody else. Um, where his story is, he's 
really nervous that he's going to have to compete for his loved ones um, when they're everything to him. It makes him who he is. And it, I think he's the one who does get that, like, I'm now re-energized to play the game hard. I think it works really well. And it's a story that they're not usually willing to tell. Um, that, like, the winner screws up sometimes in major ways. Mm-hmm. But the thing I mean, that defines them is their ability to bounce back. Right. And I think a lot of that I've been sort of thinking, oh, that's a losing finalist at it. And, like, before, when we thought sort of pre-merge Alliance of Zig would go a little longer, like, that had legs. Like, he was looking worse in comparison to people like Sarah or Sophie. But now that that's sort of fallen apart, maybe... Maybe it is a more, little more likely. And I mean, Ben is someone we've seen a little flawed before. So, yeah. And when, I mean, there are other people in this season who are also flawed and won. So we'll get to Agreed. Them, but... <laughs> That's the thing is, I don't know. Ben winning would be awesome. I think he's been maybe the best, like, I think probably the best character of this season. He's really fun. I love Ben. Um, I kind of am rooting for him. I think he goes far. To me, I think he's at that. Regardless of who wins, he's our protagonist. He's the character that we're meant to invest the most in. I think at one point it was um, like he was a little bit more of a comedy guy, but I think he's now fully embraced himself as the main character. Yeah, I think I'm I'm seeing more of that. I was more skeptical of it earlier on, but he's just always present. Yeah. I know. I'm interested in that sort of terminology as like the main character given who the story is being told from, per se. I mean, Ben gets a lot of story moments, but he's not, like, the strategic lead, I would say. Sometimes he is, though. I feel like he's had a lot of roles in most of the votes. Like, he's had a big role for most of the tribals. We always know where Ben's voting. And I think that's that's a big deal. And we also see him do plans, like he saves Adam. Um, Even in this one, he is on... I guess he doesn't have a huge role in targeting Tyson. But he's not like, you know where he is pretty easily. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Not not on my contenders list, but like I just sure did a dang good job talking myself into him being way higher on my list. So Ben is also one of these people. So I guess to quickly jump back to Edge of Extinction, my list is Parvati, Natalie, Danny, um, somebody else got. You know what I mean? Like I think somebody mm. that's still in the game. Ben's the top candidate to leave and come back. Huh. I guess I don't see Ben being voted out. Is I don't really either. I just, that could be part of his winner story. Like that could be like the open my eyes. Like, oh, now he's number one. Is him get voted out. And I could see him having like a Chris Underwood style. Redemption. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I, guess I just, I mean, far be it from this season to get us there in a strange and interesting way. But I don't see it right now. That's the thing. Like for me, his story is about stumbling and coming back from it and not like not basically not losing the war right like losing battles not losing the war that's at this point summarizes ben's story i think there's not a better um encapsulation of that than getting voted out and coming back Mm -hmm. so that's ben Mm -hmm. great dude a lot of fun move on to denise (sighs) just like there though i like when i talk about consistency it is sort of like i mean denise is there throughout but it's it's so patchy it's and there's things definitively missing and talk about how she hasn't reacted to some of the things like not going to tribal or other stuff explicitly. So, and I mean, this episode wasn't great for her, like very light on content. Yeah. Uh, there's a really funny Jeff Probst line with Denise that I think isn't getting enough traction. He says, Denise, you're in the unusual situation of having a daughter. What a bizarre thing to say to somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
being a mother's not that unusual and having well, a daughter isn't that unusual. I, I don't think know. he finishes it with like having a daughter who is a young woman. Like whom can forget that he <laughs> I guess, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's just a bizarre and odd thing for him to say. But yeah, like I don't know. Denise seems to have like she got an idol plate on her this vote, which I another side note here, another thing against Kim here. There's no reason to ever vote the person you're stealing their vote. Like if it revotes, then you're screwed if you vote that person. But if right. you vote somebody else, then they can't vote on the revote. Therefore you get more power to split the votes on somebody else. Like Kim, what you doing playing on Denise? Like to me it's so <laughs> obvious smoke and mirrors, but I digress. Kim was just trying so hard. <laughs> she was. She was in uh like go try to go Super Saiyan, but mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know, Denise, her story is that, like, she's emerged, like, there's big threats in small places. Mm-hmm. We saw that once. We need to kind of, I guess twice when she won immunity. But, like, kind of need that to pop back up, I think. Um, I'm worrying about, like, th- this is one of these stories that I'm sure if there was more time in this episode that wasn't just, like, people like their family, we would have seen it. Mm-hmm. But she really is not getting the payoff of her stories. Like, when they're cut for time, you see what really matters not Denise. For sure. Yeah, I think my vibe is that the status quo from this episode won't change. Like, those five will stay in power, and I think Denise is a top candidate to go. Agreed. Definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I hope, like, I hope they do justice to her, because she's been, like, she really has given this her all. She had a really fun move with the Sandra thing. Mm -hmm. But is that it? Like, come on, Survivor, you can do better than this. Yep. She's just felt like a, like, background player since then. Mm-hmm. like someone who's always like tagged along with people as opposed to doing anything herself agreed which brings us to jeremy i think he was awesome in this episode oh yeah and... his, is, his is the other tearjerker moment sort of like, yes just how exciting mean, he has to wait all the way until the end and he has just like this clan come out rushing to him and it's so yeah so good it was good i think that we have seen the start in Maybe this is why his edit's been so freaking odd, where it's just like he's there. Sometimes he turns a little villainous, like at the merge, but like not quite. I think this was the heel turn. I think this is was the official turn into villain Jeremy that they've been trying to build. Again, coming from that bias of like starting from the end and moving backwards approach that Survivor has. I think they're like, oh, Jeremy's a bad guy in this season. Let's kind of show it throughout, but not really. It was seemed to be seemed to be their approach. Or, like, give him villainous undertones, but without any content to support it. Mm-hmm. I think this confessional where he's like, Firef- firefighters don't leave their people behind. Him doing that, I think, is the start of villain Jeremy. We saw it at the merge. Um, his story has been pretty overtly the opposite of that. Natalie leaves when they're like, we need to break up Jeremy and uh, Natalie. We need to break up Wendell and Jeremy. His partners always leave. I think he is, like, the traitor. He is the backstabber or the unreliable guy uh sort of trope that they're going for um and i think that's gonna be i think we're really gonna see it in full effect next week Mm -hmm. i think he's another candidate surprisingly to go home like he could Mm. have this one episode turn where everyone sort of scapegoats him and then he's out i don't think so i yeah the thing is that tony jeremy scene in the next time on i know does give him some sort of legs i feel to me i feel like Jeremy, this just kickstarted the thing that we've been waiting for with Jeremy, which is like his story. Like, I really think that he's been given like drop, like huge swaths of content that are like lacking in future story. This whole time, like we see him bouncing off Tony when Denise uh, takes out Sandra. We see um, 
like his interactions with Michelle. We have a lot of his relationships, but like for what has always kind of been the question. Like, so what? Like, what are you trying to do? Again, like I really do think that Jeremy will turn into the primary antagonist. I think he will be here for a while. Hmm. I don't know. I don't. This felt like act two. And I think it could end, and he was just sort of a character they didn't know quite what to do with. But then why give him so much? Because it's kind of good moments. I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess <laughs> you're right. That's a very distinct possibility. If like Survivor's if just, good, this is the start of a villain Jeremy. If he's just sort of in the position where he can make a quick comment that's pertinent to the situation. Like, he's obviously yeah. a good person for it, I think. <sighs> yeah, that's always my bias. Is I'm like, well, Survivor could be this. They could be going for this. But uh, yeah, I, often it is like, he said funny thing. Funny man get content. Um <laughs> So yeah, hope ideally Jeremy like I, I think t- next week's going to be the decision point. There is like, is he fun villain Jeremy? Which I think he could be. Like he's abandoned his loyalty, he's abandoned trust, and now he's like rogue Jeremy. That would be really fun if he's loaded up next week. He's probably just goes out with a whimper, and it's like, why did like give this content to Denise or something instead? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's a strange one to place. I don't not not winning. <laughs> yeah, not winning. No winning. I think goes far though. Uh. We'll see. He still feels Andrea-y to me. Maybe Jeremy is the fire-making loser because he fights fires. He, he has the compulsion to put it out. He dumps water on his fire. <laughs> <the beam. laughs> um, and that brings us to Kim, who certainly put out the fire of her own game in this trial Aww. council. Easily my favorite. <gasps> like, just having so much enthusiasm. Like, maybe she's not playing the best, but just the way she sort of reacted to Jeff calling for idols and then playing the idol and then being so disappointed that she played it wrong. Like I was gonna do that. <laughs> Rats. That was great funny. character. I don't know. Like Sarah said, if they didn't get her out now, maybe she, she's gonna win this. So ugh, too yeah, many I problems though. <laughs> I, I'm like Kim is fun, you're right. Like I like I really I do like the call to be like, we need to make a move now. I'm gonna play an idol because there's clearly five, like, she clearly read the room right, right? Like, there's five people, they're too connected. I can only win this game if I'm able to make action now instead of later. That's right. what you want from Survivor. Like, you want that from a Survivor player to have that um doll, have that, like, go-ahead attitude. You don't want the laurels. You don't want, honestly, most of the people in this cast that are agreeing to a uh, status quo that doesn't benefit them. Mm-hmm. Thank ha- Claps to Kim until, and so really, like, I have problems with Kim, is idol play. But only because they introduce two really dumb twists into a tribal council. Again, Survivor has this, like, loving compulsion to ruin any votes with any stakes. Like, flashback to Island of the Idols with the vote block at um, the even-numbered swap. Like, where yeah. it's 5-5 five, five or whatever. And mm-hmm. this one, like, Survivor sure loves killing any semblance of stakes with uh, <laughs> a vote steal and um try advantage without power which i guess quickly to jump back to jeremy proved without a shadow of doubt sounds super lame and was executed super lame like jeff probes like mansplaining what the safety without the power is cringe moment i thought right for sure and then also him like handing jeff a note and then walking out the other way like also like i feel like you could have made this much better like why not that cool new voting booth you built where no one can see you what if he just puts it in the urn or whatever, and then he's gone? Oh, that's fun. I like way that. better. Um, 
instead of here read this and then jeff's like you want me to read this i already know what it says okay jeremy's gonna go safety is not getting voted out without power means he can't vote do you understand safety you're safe without power means you don't have power get it children okay (laughs) really bad i thought there but yeah Mm -hmm. like you have this cool new set use it i don't know i thought it was very bad yeah but relevant to kim again like it's not her fault that like the producers shoved too much dumb crap in the game that what should have been her big bold final stand like like think of like uh, here's where villains Parvati played the idol on uh, Sandra and Danielle, right? I think so. No, oh, no, it's Jerry. It was on Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Um, imagine that. But oh, the the heroes actually had their double vote uh, thing that made that pointless. Like that's what we basically saw here. Like she got robbed. I think. I mean, she also idled the wrong person, but that's separate. <laughs> um, like we lost all semblance of drama here because of these two dumb advantages, and Kim incorrectly didn't realize that the jig was over once those two bombs dropped that's right. my criticism of her everything else amazing play it's just survivor screwed her over and screwed over the audience for entertaining television mm-hmm. also flashback to when um sophie getting half that idol was the worst decision in the entire history of survivor and kim almost idled sophie out with it i remember that right yeah a very interesting portrayal there yeah um very very interesting and bizarre um but yeah no like i think overall kim is playing quite well um i'm impressed by that she was because that's the thing that i would be scared of a kim spradlin-esque person to do is like kim spradlin who loses the jury vote in the end probably doesn't look too much different than like a laurel right like keeping the systems at bay and everything like that Mm -hmm. i'm glad that we see kim in trouble see the signs quickly and try to fix it before it's too late that's exactly what you want from high caliber survivor players. Right. She's weirdly like in a like Ben position or like a Mike Holloway position now. Yeah. Where it's like also clear, like if she makes the finals, she wins, which is something we were kind of wondering about, but that seems to be the case now. Um, I just, it's not a winner's edit. It's not one. So I'd love it if she won. I would just be so confused at Ajik. Yeah, like they really screwed up if she wins. Um, straight like in every way. Like it really mm-hmm. is because at this point, like she's in the final nine. Like in the final nine, she played really well. Like yeah, I, I feel like they could have hyped that up a little bit more. But that is what it is. Kim, I continue to be impressed with. Um, there's a moment at the start where it seemed really bad. I think at this point, it's very obvious that it was edit manipulation. Um, maybe she was in a bad spot, but like, I don't think she was a disaster that the show was trying to show. Yeah. I think she was in a bad spot, but then played her way out of it into yeah. like, you'd expect a good player like Kim Spradlin to do. Yeah. But then she like played herself so well that she is now the Uber that everyone thought she was. Yeah. So. And if you ever wonder like, oh, is like, for example, like Rick Devins is a great example. Like, are they going far or are they just going to get squashed out? Like, this is what Rick Devins looks like if he doesn't find two more idols, right? Like, or Ben, if he doesn't find two more idols or whatever, like just an underdog with no allies is what it looks like. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I hope Kim finds two more idols. That would be kind of fun, but it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or Which Tyson sells her some stuff from the edge of extinction. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, give her, give Kim like the seventy five percent coin or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the the, the D four of safety. <laughs> I would love it, like because she's clearly in that role, right? Like, yeah, we're just not being shown that, right? For sure. And I assume the majority because Sophie knew knew about the idol, so mm-hmm. I'm assuming the majority assumed she would play it on herself, and that's why they voted Tyson. Yep. And that's also probably why they were being so gated about the vote, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of smoke and mirrors. I know. I don't know why someone from the minority just didn't like walk over there and like butt in, right? Like, there's no decorum if it doesn't serve you. It's true. It's true. Um, I guess that brings us to Michelle, one of the more interesting capers in this story. Uh, see, randomly votes Tyson. Yeah, I think just that, like, what you said about her voting confessional paired with the way she was reacting, where she was just, like, literally so, like, worried it was going to be her. Uh, I think she weirdly played the best she could in that position, and it was very self-serving. And, yeah, I'm a fan. The weird thing is we got no content from her this episode when she was in trouble, which I what a recurring theme. (laughs) So, Joe, I know you've said a lot about like how shocked you are that people are considering people like Tony. And I'm like, there's still so many people that think Michelle's winning this. I don't in any university this at all like unless they hate her like they really think she's total garbage trash how this is a winner edit for michelle i don't know i think she got that I'm, music video that one episode i, I agree that could have been good but like it catalyzed nothing not michelle's not in contention for me but i think sort of the mystique of it is how she continually is at points a very important very rootable character while every time she's in danger, she disappears. Yeah. And, like, it's not so weird to me that, like, she could win. But also, I've it's gotten to the point where I'm like, this is too bizarre for me to consider anymore. So... Yeah, they, they seem to have a plan in mind for her. I guess that's one positive. But they don't seem to care about it too much. Like, she was... I mean, for one, if she really... Like, if our... Uh, analysis is that she was trying to save herself why wouldn't she play her token thing that makes me think she was not fearing for her life yeah because you would think you would just be in super desperation mode yeah i think honestly like i think michelle just might not be that great of a survivor player and like Mm. didn't uh, is the opposite of what i was just saying about kim like so like nick or something was like hey vote tyson just trust me and she's like okay that's probably what i think happened I don't know. I mean, we didn't get anything from her, so anything is speculation. But I think true, it's like a mixture of like how much, how many half measures do you want to take to save yourself? Like, yeah. what if, what if just voting Tyson works and you wasted your coin that may or may not work? It's like I will vouch for Michelle in all four sentences of her that we saw from her family. Yeah. It. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like poor Michelle. Like, like could she not have also brought like Julia? out or something <laughs> like like you have to get more than your sister when people are getting like their entire family i don't mm-hmm. know i would again be very salty if i was michelle um additionally i do think that this is a good point to talk about last week i kind of posited the theory that maybe we're seeing more of a pagong than it looks like um and i think what we've seen is ben sarah sophie yara has banded together with um tony and I guess in this case also like that, I think that's our four, right? Like it's Yara plus Tony who mm-hmm. is really just friends with Sarah. So it's that group against like, I think, and then you have Nick and Michelle who are, 
um, New Sele, the only two remaining, and they are in the middle. And then the all the people in the minority, Jeremy, Kim, Denise, were all new to call. I think that's actually what we're seeing. But none of them have gone home. <laughs> like... Yeah, none of them go home, but they are the minority. <laughs> but Tyson also, kind of, Tyson's like, he doesn't have a home, right? Like he's... Yeah, I mean, there's a way it works where, like, it started with, like, I would say New Sele is the minority. And so they got rid of Wendell, and they got sidetracked with Adam, who was just an outlier. Yeah. And then Tyson is also an outlier, so. Yeah, I agree. They should be returning to Michelle and Nick. I mean. But I think they're in, like, this middle role. Like, it's the two of them, and then this four, and then this three. Like, that's, I think, what we're seeing. Right. Yeah, I think they're weirdly, they're swinging into a power position as much as you can have one in this wild game. That's usually how this works out, though, right? Is like once you get down to like one or two people, that group no longer is a threat. They now have like kind of commanding power. Like that's the Matt Singh idea, right? Like, Uh, uh, ah, but that's what lets the hyenas sneak to the end. Boom, boom. Mm. Maybe it's, yeah. Like, I guess that's the path for Michelle to win. If it's, like, Michelle, Nick, and Edge of Extinction returning, that's Michelle wins. Like, and I guess that's not out of the realm of possibility if the story is literally that warning, like, that literal. Um, I guess I could believe that. But I honestly, don't. I think Nick might beat her. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think, in terms of Lions and Hyenas, I don't think the outcome is going to be Hyenas actually sneak to the end and win. Yeah, probably not, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Michelle is, like, I just want quirky Michelle back. Like, she was really fun, was it last week with the token? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, she was fun that week. Give me that just every week. Like, I don't know. That's, that's all I want from Michelle. Or... or like, tell us what she was thinking. That's the most important thing next week, I think, is, like, just for, like, the TV show being good, like, we need a confessional of Michelle being, like, I voted Tyson because X reason here. Because otherwise, I think this is going to be an endless debate for the rest of eternity. Yeah, I think, but that could be, like, the weird thing is Michelle's going to get that first confessional, and then people are going to be like, ah, what are they doing with Michelle? Yeah. It's- Again, like, I'm, I'm sticking to the idea, like, Michelle is our Kara, like, almost to a exact moment where it's like she also vanished when she was in trouble um maybe that could mean michelle fire making loser is a possibility here um in the same way that's yeah carl left in fire making against mike right yeah um mm-hmm. so like i think that's the thing i see with her is it's like she's a little bit more strategic than people expect so like people expect production to like hate michelle and hate Kara because she's pretty girl or whatever, but Kara actually gives fun, interesting confessionals. And so people are like, that's the winner. But I think in reality, she's just a captivating character and charismatic person. Same with Michelle. I think she's very, like, she's great TV when they just let her be herself. I think that's why she's getting good content sometimes is because she's an interesting person. Um, And I do think that, like, a lot of the push behind both of them is rooted in this idea that, like, they assume that production hates people like them, but, and therefore would never get shown. I don't think that's something that ever holds up true when you look at, like, they get less, like, I agree, uh, by, like, the, like, secretly smart bikini babe archetype thing does get shown less than, like, the crazy Tony type but not by like the level that they don't get content. I think that's what people miss. Mm-hmm. They're still interesting people. They're on a reality show. They were cast for a reason. They see a role for them. Unless they're a dud that they really think gets nothing or has no story or relevance, 
they're going to get good content sometimes if they're a good, interesting person. Right. Yeah. I guess I don't see Michelle as a car, like a fire making loser. I think she goes like before that in the finale. I don't even know if she's going to make the finale, dude. Like, I mean, yeah, she could go next episode as well. Well, what we have theoretically, would we do finale at five or like five plus edge of extinction returning or six edge of extinction returning? Like, like, do we have two or three more boots? Um, I think four more and then the finale, right? Because there's four nine more. left. Yeah. Just yeah. But oh, unless it's three and then they I, I, it's hard to say for sure. But sure. like if it's four, I could see Michelle being in there. If it's three, maybe not. Um, yeah, there's four more nights of episodes left. So, OK, that's that's good to know. So, I mean, four more, like three more episodes and then the finale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, she could make finale. Um, I think there's a decent realm of possibility that the people who miss out are, like, Jeremy, Denise, Michelle. I think that's super possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good pick. Um, Michelle could go further. Like, I think her max is, like, maybe she could be a losing finalist, but probably not. She'd be, like, the Julia, Julie Rosenberg. Mm -hmm. And, like, they do have kind of resemblance, so I I don't think that's... (laughs) Uh, or fire. I, th- I think I would bet her furthest is fire making loser yeah. or sometime soon. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Again, bring back Quirky Michelle. Yeah, And like, I still think, though, it is possible she could be another one of these voted outcomes back people. I do think she is in that possibility tier. That's true. But she would revolving door, right? Like Hard to say. Hmm. I think she could get voted out because she does have this like redemption story. Um, you could see her easily doing like the Chris Underwood. I wanted to play perfect this time. I got, I voted the minority so many times again. No, like I want another chance. Mm-hmm. It would make sense with her story with Wendell. Like that, that is still an open door. Um, it just, I don't think it's, I don't know if it would be a revolving door. Cause I don't know if Michelle pause. It's that level of threat. Like Michelle comes back. I don't think people are like, Oh my goodness need to kill her. You know? Sure. But yeah, that's my thoughts on the show. Mm-hmm. On to Nick, who's also very sparse in this episode, but in the majority now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good on Nick. Yeah, just like from an edit standpoint, I don't even know what to say, really. Like, I don't know how he fits in. Just like... Remember when he was really mad last week? Oh, yeah. Um, he wants to burn all these people. There was a moment where, where, like, Tony and Kim were whispering and, like, the camera pans out and you see Nick. So that's, like, an allusion to his, like, creeping in on conversations yeah but. i think nick's a losing finalist to be honest like i don't know i think that makes a lot of sense he could make it not quite that far i guess but like i feel like he's probably going far and i feel like they've done a little to show him is like annoying mm-hmm. and i think that's probably enough to be a losing finalist to me yeah i think he does have those tones where he was pointed out as lazy when he was quote unquote the decoy boot in the original tyson vote off um lazy doesn't have kids creeps in on conversations yeah like it's very easy to see him as like a non-entity finalist yeah and like you even see like you could see where his jury votes could be like tyson right. he has that weird like post-mortem uh bond with tyson um but like i don't know i just he they don't seem to care about him at all yeah really sort of the biggest victim of this hodgepodge editing style is i have no idea where nick fits in with anything i can't really say where he places like i just know that he doesn't win yeah exactly let's move to sarah yeah really once again we gotta like uh get out these 
irrelevant people to get to the meteor people. Yeah, the all the exciting people are at the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Sarah got a great episode, right? Like, really fantastic. <laughs> well, I can't say I disagree, but I she got a little, like, feisty when she was discussing with, like, Tony and stuff. Yes. And I don't know if it looked terrible, but it, it gave me some questioning. I, I just... Curious how you sort of reconcile that. Like, just the moments with Tony, you mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think she probably was. Like, Right, but why show that if she is our winner? Um, I guess that's a good question. I do think, I guess to me, overwhelmingly, this episode validated the idea for me. And I guess that's kind of, I want to talk about this before I answer your question. Is okay. I think that this season is the season of Cops Are Us. And I made that theory last week. But, like, I think this really is the, like, season finale of Cops Are Us. We got them in literally three seasons. I think that was brought up in the first episode. Um, Obviously, it's something that was on people's mind. Like, it's kind of weird that Sarah's never played without Tony and vice versa. Um, You can't have one without the other kind of energy. It's like Batman Joker kind of thing. I don't think that means they, like, waltz their way as best friends to the end. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing. I think the, I think this is our complex duo. Sarah and Tony. And I think it's by far Sarah and Tony. I don't think anyone else is even close. That could be they target each other. I don't think they necessarily get there easily. And showing it here, I don't think is really that bad for her. Because I don't think I've ever viewed it as like Sarah, Tony, and Ben final three. Like that seems ludicrous to me. Sure. Um, like it's just not going to happen. I think it's more likely if anything, Sarah kills Tony or vice versa and there is animosity there like i don't think it's going to be a like i said an easy path that's why i think it's okay i think i agree with that i think it is very likely that the season ends in sarah versus tony in some way yeah and i think that's definitely before the final tribal council it's all just a matter of like how quickly that happens that's the thing it could be next week right like we see tony being like sarah being like do not listen to tony in the next time on Mm -hmm. um could be then i don't think they're gonna vote each other out then i think it could be quote unquote survivor chess match i think that's what we're in store for is the battle of sarah versus tony or whether that's inter alliance or like they're jockeying for control or if it's um like sarah's army versus tony's army but it's gonna be that i think we're gonna see that in some capacity and yeah like i don't know to me my two winner contenders are sarah and tony um one of them's winning this game i'm pretty damn sure of it i think i'm putting my money slightly more on sarah but i don't like it's really close and i'm probably going to decide after because i feel like i want to hear your thoughts on tony um Mm -hmm. but like sarah got great content in this episode she got that like i said christmas miracle uh confessional or which was so good um she got yeah i kim is dangerous we got to hear what she wanted from all sides she got a really touching family moment i think she really looked really good in this episode. It was all over the place. Yeah, I think sort of reconciling that moment as sort of setting up. Finally, something is set up in this season of a Sarah versus Tony moment. Obviously, I'm low on Tony. So I think this does pan out to where Sarah defeats Tony. And sort of my struggle is, does Sarah go from that and win? Or does someone else sneak in and win? And so I too have Sarah as my top contender. (gasps) But Tony is not my second. Interesting. So yeah, I just think like, she keeps getting almost family content. Like obviously this episode, she got actual family content, but it ties into positive stuff with like, the Yule moment and just other moments where she has like relationships with Tyson and all this. 
I think her relationship on the side with Sophie is strong. Uh, no matter what you think about Sophie's chances, I think it reads well for Sarah to have the strong bond that's been there for a mm -hmm. while. So, and I mean, yeah, I just think Sarah is surprisingly the top contender now. Yeah, I think you could easily see a world where Sophie's like her advocate or something, or even like on the jury, or even like, I'm sorry, Sophie, the losing finalist is very possible to Sarah. Like, I don't think that's uncommon or, or not uncommon, but um, an unrealistic situation. Because I think Sarah probably beats anybody. And Sophie could be a yeah. really good losing finalist. Like, not all losing finalists are made, like, um, like total awful people, right? Like, most of them aren't. Most of them are shown pretty well. Uh, right. Flashback to Game Changers. People thought Brad looked amazing all season, and he did look amazing for most of the season. Every now and then, you got little glimmers of negativity, but like overall, he looked really formidable. That's how most losing finalists look is somewhat compelling. Spencer and Kagia are in uh, Cambodia. Like they're not all like terrible monsters that are right. rude to people and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean the other way to say that is not every season ends in sort of this obvious winner. Yeah, against two goats, it's like. Sometimes you have compelling people. Agreed. Yeah, that's a, that's a better way to put it. And yeah, like, that's the thing. I think Sarah has the most flexibility of who she gets to the end with. Like, if this is Sarah versus Tony next week, um, and say, I don't know, like, I, I don't think either of them would be leaving next week or anything like that. Like, I think this is more likely to be like, Sarah takes out Tony's number two ally and Tony takes out Sarah's number three ally. And it's like that kind of war. That's mm -hmm. how I'm seeing it. Um. Because, like, we did get that confessional again of Sarah being like, Tony won't even listen to me. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I just let me have my idea and say it. Like, that was good, I thought. Like, that to me showed she wasn't willing to just listen to him. Um, right. Which is really important for a Sarah win, right? Like, you do, like we've been saying it's the Simba, Mufasa kind of role here. You can't have your winner look like they're a follower. And that's important. Yeah. For sure. It's sort of, I don't know, I gotta get my Lion King metaphor straight, but it turned into maybe, like, Scar wasn't a bad guy at the beginning, so, like, Sarah realized Tony was the Scar all along, and... Yeah, something like gonna, that, yeah. Gonna, what even happens to Scar at the end of Lion King? Does he uh, also fall off a cliff? Yeah, yeah, he falls off a cliff. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think he's the only one that falls off the cliff. I don't know who Mufasa. else. Is. Mufasa. Oh, well, he gets trampled and then... I think it's more the trampling and falling off the cliff, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no. No, because... Right. Hold on. I, we need to litigate this. He is definitely dead before the stampede comes. Because Simba no, no, has that gets, moment. He gets run over and then is, like, grasping for his life. And then Scar pushes him off. That's mm. I think that's what happens. And then he gets lost <laughs> in the trample again. And then Simba goes over and has that tender moment. But, yeah. Um... To me, that's the thing is it's, it's <laughs> crucial that you build Sarah as not as learning from Tony while also striking the balance of not being his, her, his goat. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that's crucial. And I think they did that. Um, My only reservation with Sarah, and also this is interesting too. Last week, I was like, it's maybe bad that Tony said that um Sarah needs to cut her emotions to become the badass survivor player you need to be. Barbaric survivor player, sorry. Um, it's very interesting at this point. And I think this is our, the most, um, this is why I'm 50, 50 on them. I think as of right now, back on Yara, we heard Ben say that he really likes Sarah. Why? And, and Sophie, because they're good people and he wants to work with good people. We get obviously, like you mentioned earlier, the scene with Yule where Sarah learns all about ALS 
and how to help and be a better person. Um, we get her giving Nick the thing for his the Chinese food for his birthday, not as a game move. And there's a very cl- and she thinks that people should just be nicer to each other in general. There's a very firm storyline contrast between Sarah, the nice person, and Tony, the barbaric survivor player. Um, and I don't know if I'm settled on which one's better. Um, at first I thought this was more of a teaching role. I think it might be more like, like maybe it's Star Wars and it's Tony's the dark side. Um, like that's very possible or we're just, we've heard them say being emotional causes you to lose. And I'm still stubbornly holding on to, well, she's nice. And usually winners are shown nicely. Maybe that's how Sarah loses the war. I think that's very also possible. Like the problem is she has a very obvious fatal flaw that is either the key to her victory or loss. And I do not know which way to settle that. Um, and that's why to me it's so close. I think reading that Sarah's niceness is a fatal flaw really, really hinges on last episode. Like if you take that as Tony is sort of chastising her for what she did and we're supposed to take basically everyone but Sarah's side in that like yeah. you can't do nice things. But I think that episode can easily as go like, this is just another nice moment for Sarah. And hey, what she did wasn't bad. Like, yeah, these other people sort of not seeing it are the ones who are faltering. So that's the problem know. is like, how much do you take Tony's thing where he says every winner has a moment where they're faced with picking them their like um, a heartfelt moment or and that's like and they choose not to. And that's what makes them win. Do we take that at face value or is that what makes Tony lose? And I think this is really a good old philosophical debate of a story and i like i think this that's what the war is about sarah thinks that you should be nicer to people and tony's like no screw that i will swear on my dad's grave like he did in kaguya i think that's what we're seeing if tony wins it's as a barbaric villainous survivor player if sarah wins it's as a nice person mm-hmm. it's literally good versus evil here um and one of them's winning like i'm so convinced on that um they're my only contenders mm-hmm. also her kids looked really cute yeah good family scene and either way i don't know i don't know about you i think sarah's going far i don't think she's i I think she makes finale maybe like the boot before finale like i could see that world but probably not i mean if tony is the victor in this like that's the thing about the sarah versus tony battle is i could see it happening probably not next episode but any episode after that until like final four like literally the fire making challenge (sighs) and i mean I'm not a big believer in Tony winning that, but I think it's just as likely that happens anywhere in between. See, yeah, I don't know. Like, to me, Sarah and Tony, like, a war can look like so many different things, right? Like, I, I think we all, I think the argument, it, maybe it already started. Um, I also think it's very interesting, and actually, we'll wait till we get to Tony for that. Um, he had a very interesting confessional, but... Hmm. Yeah, so that's all I have on Sarah for now. That brings us here to Sophie. She's the one who grabs the five people. She's like, hey, let's bolt. She got, I thought, pretty good family content for what it's worth. Like, it wasn't as touching, but, like, memorable. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have kids, so, like, how could it be as touching? <laughs> yeah. Um, and really, that's, like, one. that's one of the big things. Like, it's hard to see Sophie winning if there's all this children content. <laughs> Yeah. Like, no, I want to believe at this point because it'd be kind of fun, but I don't know. Like, like, the merge episode kind of really killed her for me. Um, and like, I can't help but think, keep seeing the Gabby comparison. Like, Gabby Kara, it's the same thing to me with Michelle and Sophie here, where they're cross tribes, 
they're both going invisible at weird times. Sophie wasn't super visible in this episode, except for those moments. Right. Like yeah. her perspective doesn't matter that much. And I think that's a huge problem. Her story has been pretty good though. I think they have built her as a good survivor player. I think that's just all they were doing. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the question sort of going around sort of after this episode is, did we expect Sophie to get nothing? And is that why we really favored her as a winner contender because she got something. And I mean, she's my second contender, so I'm not off the Sophie train yet. Let's be clear. But I think, She is sort of, and this probably isn't news to anyone who's fallen off already, but she's falling behind in content. Like she's getting like bits that seem right, but it's never enough. Like she doesn't feel as major as a winner should be. Yeah, it's straight up what we said, like with so many of the people that we want to, like you kind of want them to win, right? Like you don't want like Ben or something to when you want it to be the sneakier option. You want it to be more low key, but at a certain point you have to kind of just look at it and be like, they don't prioritize her. Like, and I think that's the thing is they don't construct these things to be like logic puzzles for people who look at this. They construct it so that it's a good story that informs you of how thing decisions were made. And there's a certain bias of how that's portrayed because, well, if the winner won, they must've done something pretty good. Right. Um, and she fails that check for me in a pretty major way. A lot of this stuff feels like it probably could have been more on her side. It's the same kind of rant I had there with Michelle. Like you expect because Sophie wasn't super visible in her season when she's more of a main character in this one. And let's say she's not even a main character. She's a supporting character. You expect her to be tertiary and she's supporting verging on main. You're like, oh, that's clearly something. To me, the minute she stopped being a priority is when I dropped her completely. I hold that true still, and I think you're right. Like, I think it is people, me included, did expect her to get a lot less. And when she started getting a lot more that was pretty complex, I was like, oh, maybe this is is the one. But you need more than that. You can't just have more than you expected. You have to have a good swath of content for people who don't remember who you were, which is probably a lot of people. Hmm. I think the thing is, even if it's more content than we expected, it's still this character that I can't quite for certain fit into where they are going the story. Yeah, that's true. Like, and I mean, it really could just be building up towards like a capable end game player. Agreed. But, but I still think the pieces are there that I could see a win. And there's so many little things that feel like winner moments. Like this moment here where she's like, all five of us go over here. Um, Moments where she talked about how you don't have to be in every conversation. Just there's lots of little moments that I'm just not ready to sign off completely on Sophie. I would just say they like her. I think it's that simple. Like they are, I think they leave this being very impressed with her, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, there's so much, she's like pretty close to the Kelly Wentworth of the season, right? Like came in, maybe not to that level, but. It's up there um, where she enters is not super respected, but leaves quite respected. And I think in the same way that we were like, oh, it seems like even before the big Denise moment, it's like it feels like somebody in the narrative office is like advocating for her. Like, Mm -hmm. and then obviously Denise does a big thing and we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Sophie, I feel like that moment's still coming. I think in the same way that we said it about Denise, I think there's all people there in the narrative department that have been defending her and being like no she's awesome sophie did so much she played so well look at her grab those five people um at the tribal like there's always focus on her there is i just 
you're right. I can't figure out where it goes exactly. I just think she is girl who does big thing. Like, I just don't think it's happened yet. She still has the idol. My guess, she uses that in a really creative way. What that would be, I'm not 100% sure. But I think that's what we're going to see. Maybe she, like, straight on Karishma's it and, like, gets all the votes somehow and negates them. Like, it's going to be something like that, though, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's this sort of... What we've seen so far with Denise and Michelle, for sure, is that they want to give some of these lower visibility lower reputation winners like the light of day and show how they can be good players like i think Mm. sophie it's different in that we might have seen that she was a good player but just to see her more and for most people that's going to be look at this other good player who beat coach and you thought that was bad but look um it just also happens to look like a winner's edit in some respects so i also think it's important here I, i i said Kara and gabby it just clicked in my head This is exactly the same stuff we were saying about Victoria in Edge of Extinction, almost to a T, where she was presented early on like the best player in the game. She gets to be shown like having such a good knowledge of her tribe, of the inner workings, how she wants the returnings out. She gets that amazing confessional against Aubrey, takes Aubrey out. She's the Aubrey Slayer. She's so good. Um, and we're like, oh my goodness, she's the main character. And she really was. She was so visible in the early parts of Edge of Extinction. Come the merge. She literally vanishes off a cliff. And the right call there would have been, oh, it's because she no longer has that important of a role in this story. I kept wanting, because I really loved Victoria, for it to be like, no, actually, she uh, it's them hiding her because she's such a good character and she'll pop back up. And it's at a certain point, it's just like you're hoping this person becomes more than that they are right now. Um, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same thing where they're like, Victoria and Sophie played amazing. They totally would have won if not for, in Victoria's case, the Edge of Extinction returning, coming back and completely exploiting her game. Or maybe this, maybe the same thing happens to Sophie. I legit would not be shocked at all if she's sixth place, uh, gets screwed over by the Edge of Extinction returning. Like, that seems mm-hmm. super possible to me, to be honest. Yeah. Either way, I think she's leaving heroically in a way that's not her fault. I think the difference I'm seeing right now between Sophie and Victoria is Sophie hasn't quite fallen off in that same way as Victoria did. Like, I think Sophie's merge episode was really strong. And that last episode... Sorry, I meant yeah, the last week, sorry. Okay, yeah. But, like, this episode wasn't bad. But, yeah, I do see a path where she is a complete background character to these bigger forces and then yeah i think that's when i have to have to fall off but it's it's such a hard one with sophie yeah yeah and for reference victoria also got a huge merge episode like i sorry i that's i I misspoke a little bit victoria and sophie both got big merge episodes and then vanished in the merge like that's the kicker um and i like i i think that's what it is it's like they almost got the same look um all over the place, even like a strong premiere that ultimately was kind of lacking in content. So it was like, you know what I mean? Like gave good confessionals, but they were small. Hmm. I don't know. I really think Victoria, Sophie look a lot alike as like the good player. I almost the obstacle. Like we tend to use that term. Um, not in the war dog sense in the Victoria sense. Maybe that is the thing. Like maybe flashback to when Tyson was like, I can't even remember her name. Maybe that's um, like one of those clues, right? Like um, what we get is the Edge of Extinction returning comes back and they're like, Sophie's going to win the game, guys. And they're like, wait, who? She's going to win the game? No way. And they vote her out. That seems very possible. 
I guess those just aren't, that's not the feeling I'm getting right now. I guess if Sophie isn't winning, I feel like she's a casualty in the Sarah and Tony war. Also possible. Um, a lot of people are saying, like, Kara, she's the fire-making loser. I mean... Mm. I think that's stretching the metaphor too closely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... <sighs> I she does have that over. one confessional about, like, never wanting to go to Edge of Extinction. Mm-hmm. Um... Like, we saw that with Julie, um, her never go. Like, I don't know. That's why I think she probably, I feel like she probably doesn't go. So that makes her, right. like, sixth. But I, and I, like I said, I could see her as a losing finalist, too. So it's hard mm-hmm. to say. I think it's sort of looking at what's left. Like, I like the story Sarah sort of has at the moment. After that, it really just feels like Sophie is the only one who seems sort of constructed to be a winner to me and on that note i <laughs> i disagree because of our boy tony um this episode was finally chapter two in his story thank goodness finally stops talking about lions and hyenas i think there's a debate that that's bad for him because a lion left i think this is to me this is what a uh a protection in the edit actually looks like they don't invisible you they change the story all of a sudden um to still suit you somehow. Um, I thought Tony was so fun in this episode. That I really enjoyed him again as a character. His story works again because he is so interesting when he's not just repeating old information. Him with his family was really touching. But I think the most interesting thing is his confessional when he's like, Jeremy's uh, making me kind of uneasy. He rocks the boat. I don't like when people do that right now because I'm... Um, like, I can't predict him. And most importantly, he'd even go after Sarah. And there's, like, a really weird cut there. I think that this is, like, the clearest evidence. This is the confessional to me that solidified, like, oh, that's going to be Sarah versus Tony. Um, They're doing so much to connect them in every single little thing. Why is Jeremy got to go? Because he wanted to target Sarah. Um, And, it, like, Sarah being feisty gets resolved by him being, like, she's he's, she, he's coming after you, Sarah. And she's like, yes, let's do it. Um... I don't know, Tony, I love when he's like, um, I got the bulletproof vest. And then he's like, oh my god, you have a uh, immunity necklace nullifier? Like, he's great. And I can't believe that it is a super realistic possibility he wins this thing. <laughs> oh. Um, and also that that exists. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw someone sort of lamenting that Tony thought that was a legitimate possibility. Um, I will say, I think that's a good read on the Tony's confessional there, leading towards Sarah versus Tony. I I finished this episode and sort of my ruminating thought was, man, if this episode didn't convince you that Tony isn't winning, then I can't convince you. Because what? yeah, I just I don't see it. Like this episode, you talk about how it's a chapter two. It feels like it abandoned every plot immediately. There was no smooth transition. You know what I mean? Like Yes, it's great for him to move past lions and hyenas, but in this episode, it might have been as lions and hyenas didn't even exist. And yes, there was only five minutes to do all that, but Tony, once again, just sort of abandoned his laid out strategy, which has been nice at points, and turned into a different Tony. Like, I think it's very telling that both Sarah and Jeremy sort of pointed out that Tony was not working with them. He was, it wasn't the exact wording, but in Chrissy's wording, it would be steamrolling. Like, and who won the game? But, like, it's not telling a consistent story there. Unless you're saying that Tony is going to bend his way to the end. 
I don't think he's gonna bend his way. Like, I mean, I hope to God he does not bend his way to the end. Like, <laughs> please, Lord, no. I think it's possible. Like, that's the thing is one one way to look at it is Tony being irritable with people, right? Like being mean, being whatever. But the story is him like I think the like I think you are missing the smooth transition. It happened last week when he said, like I said, all winners have this moment when they are forced between the emotional and the strategic and you have to turn into a barbaric survivor player that's act two that's what we just saw this week and be like no i'm gonna bulldoze people i don't think that means he's gonna bend his way to the end as in like idol 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 like underdog i think he might just like bully his way to the end like just bulldoze his way to the end i think that's his path as the leader very similar to kagiyan like I think that's the realm of possibility I see um, is we did already see that smooth transition. It was just last week. And now we're seeing the payoff to that. Hey, I feel like last week, all I heard was like, oh, this is a great Tony story told from his perspective about lions and hyenas. And then it was just nowhere. Like, obviously, it wasn't the strategy, but we didn't get any sort of navigation as to why Tony moved off that and why it was okay. Maybe we didn't have space. Maybe he will reconcile that next episode and I'll see it to some extent. But for me, this is just another case of Tony did give us this very laid out strategy and yes, it has worked. He expressed patience and won that challenge and it was working for a while. But then there are these moments like when Sandra went home, or for me, I see this episode as another one of those moments where Tony is not adhering to his strategy. And although it succeeds for him at times, he's not perfectly executing it. And I think Tony is more of a growth edit than almost anyone at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. But that does not equate to a winner. I think that if he loses, this is the growth edit. I think this is one of those... Like, to me, it's Michelle is the growth edit. Like, I think that's, like, the, the, um, like, with a ribbon on it, like, tie it up, like, it's Michelle. Tony also is getting growth, like, a growth-adjacent edit. It could also just not be that, right? Like, it could just be how he re- resorts back to his old self. I think that's, that's how I'm seeing it, is, like, calm Tony buckles and crazy Tony comes back out. And you would say that is good for his winner chances, or it's what he isn't if, like... Or what he is if, like, a Sarah wins? Um, I'm gonna plead the fifth here and say neither, or both, kind of. I think, so, I agree, your biggest problem, and my biggest problem with him, is that Sandra boot when he just goes off the wall crazy, right? Right. I think, if they're trying to thread the needle of how Tony played calmly and uh, with patience, and he took out the hyenas, and he did that, until he snapped, and then he, like went doc like dr or mr hyde on everybody and that's how he won very possible how you turn into the barbaric survivor player you need to be that's to me now his story where he wins it does involve him going nuts or the inverse him like kylo renning by averting the dark side right like it's being uh whispered in his ear and he's like no 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 i don't i'm not turning i'm gonna be calm and patient still so both work that way for a winner story they also both work for a loser story um like so that's the thing i am conflicted about tony he really unfortunately is that role of i think he goes really far i think tony goes super duper far um i mean it already is far it's not hard to say that like i don't think he's gonna vote out in the next three votes 
Um, and I think his story is the most important story of the season. Um, especially with this whole good versus evil thing going on. You got Ben liking good people. He didn't like Boston Rob or people like who play like Boston Rob. Tony, I feel like is going to take up that role. And I think he is going to go a little villainous and that works both ways um, to dodge that question a little bit. There's a good version. Like there's a winner version of both and a loser version of both. I just think this is not the season to go evil on from what I've seen. I feel so far just, I don't know. I don't think if, from what we've seen, like Sarah being good and Ben talking about liking good people, I don't. And plus his family visit, like I don't see like evil winning out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's more realistic that his like him losing is he goes insane, like very possible, right? Uh, survivor insanity, as Jeff Brooks puts it. Um, yeah, I guess I just read Tony as like an obstacle, a big distraction of some sort. Like at this point... <laughs> I know I said, like, Sarah versus Tony in the fire making, but I would almost think Tony is gone before the finale. Before the finale? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a chance of that, to be honest. Maybe, like, I guess there's a chance. It, it, uh, to me, the late, the earliest would be before the, like, right before the finale. Like, the Christian Hubicki style. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I do want to, though, like, as, like, Tony... I think he's my number two winner contender here. My biggest gripe with him actually is one that we haven't brought up at all. He has a contradiction, Joseph. Um, It's in this episode. He says last week, and I think this is crucial to his victory, that every winner has a moment when they're forced to pick the heartfelt decision. And if they don't, then they win, right? To me, that colors his entire game moving forward. Mm -hmm. Is so defensive of good girl, Sarah. That's the contradiction additionally we have seen people like jeremy people like nick describe sarah as somebody willing to cut their friends we saw that in game changers that was mentioned also last week in this confession in this confessional i brought up when he's like um jeremy's unpredictable and he's going and he's even willing to say my pal sarah there's tony's heartfelt decision that might cost him the game right I think the Sarah path for victory is she gets in Tony's blind spot and gets rid of him. Um, that's the world where he leaves before the finale or even in the, in the finale, something like that. Like that's his fatal flaw here is that right now Sarah is positioned in his blind spot. And they've, I think intentionally done that. I think this is a very well told story. And I think the thing that to me is holding this season back from being like, I've disliked a lot of these episodes individually but some of the stories have worked well across episodes so that's what's holding it above for me people like adam etc this is one of them the cops arrest story and i love that there's not a clear winner here there's not a clear better side and it really is like sarah has tony's uh like a knife behind tony's back in that he really cares about her and he cares about her a lot and he wants to protect her tony has sarah a knife behind sarah's back in that he thinks she's being too emotional and to um nice and i think that's a beautiful story that they've concocted i just i don't know if there's as much power in the side of it that is tony saying sarah isn't cutthroat because other people have then come out and said we know she's cutthroat so yeah i think that's sort of where i can't see tony coming out on top against sarah because we know what he said against Sarah was wrong. 
A, because she was truly doing it as far as our confessional goes out of the kindness of her heart. And B, we know Sarah has the ability to make those cutthroat decisions. So, mm-hmm. And I think all of this comes back to the whole idea of um, what do we have it as? Is how do you use your past to create your present? Is this, I think what we're seeing is Sarah is nicer than she was in Game Changers. Tony is nicer than he was in Kageyan. One of them's going to go villainous, and I think that one probably wins. That's how I'm kind of seeing this. Hmm. Like, one of them's going to have the turn to the dark side, and that's going to be their heroic path. I think Sarah plays well, but it doesn't take a villainous turn. No? Like, it's presented in a way that is not negative. Oh, yeah, I guess that's, that's possible. Like some survivors scared of showing their winners negative, but um, I guess to me what it is, is like one way I kind of see Sarah's story specifically is like, she's this marked person that everybody knows in their heart has the ability to be evil. And so they treat her a little differently and they're like, well, I like her, but I'm scared of what she could be. Like, she's like a cursed one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the, maybe the story is like, I think it kind of necessitates her Becoming, because she really hasn't backstabbed anyone, right? Like, she hasn't been yeah, not backstabby yet. Sarah. Mm-hmm. I think you kind of need that for her story to make sense. Like, she, I think she'd have to brutally blindside Tony. Because their story is going way back. Like, this is a cross-season epic tale, right? That's going on here. I think it would be a blindside of Tony. I just don't think that would turn her into the villain. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. I think it would be edited as her betraying her friend. And maybe it's really hard for her, but she's doing it or something. Like to me, that's the same thing. Hmm. So that's t- that's Tony. Uh, I don't know. I had that thought after the episode, and then I like watched a movie or something, and it came online, and everyone was still very in favor of him. And I was like, I just, I just don't see it. And gosh, yeah. I wish I did, but also I think you're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know. To me, I, like, the other thing I was gonna say, I thought about sharing this last week but i was going to like post on twitter or something my chart for kagi on that i did while i was watching live where you can also see that i was a tony skeptic the entire way through like never once having him as a contender so there's just i guess some bias i guess is the best word for it like bias against maybe him as a character like like i said there have been moments this season where i've liked him but he's not really my cup of tea i think bias towards a winner edit that tony would get given who he is like that's just not what my edgic eyes are catered towards so i don't know i just try to give some more i guess perspective as to where i'm coming from because i, I know, think it's your just points a, are good i think it's, it's flawed like <laughs> straight up to me if tony was not um like say tony like all the same content to Ben. I'd be really hesitant to pick Ben. It's the cops are us thing to me that makes Tony a contender. And I could not like, that's the only thing that I would be like, that's my only like question for you is how I, I could never consider Sarah right now and not consider Tony. Cause I feel like they are paced as equals. And I think this is the story of cops are us. I think it goes to Sarah slightly, but like, the fact that I think this is the story of Cops Are Us, and this is, like, I think that's what, I think Survivor Winners at War is Survivor Cops Are Us. Like, that's how we'll look back at this. I could not imagine just putting all my eggs in the Sarah basket. Um, it, it, it's more that for me. It's like, I've picked Cops Are Us as the winner. Um, see, I guess I don't, see it, I don't see it as strongly Cops Are Us pro, but 
I think to me, if one of them is winning, it's so clear that it's Sarah because Tony is painted as sort of right now the villainous one of the two. And I think if anything, we're getting super set up for Sarah to beat Tony more than anything. I, I agree. I just think it's also equally possible she fails or I just don't know. I don't see that possibility or failing. Like I see the possibility yeah. of like both of them falling and Sophie sneaking in. Or like I was saying earlier, if Tony is sort of this like bat flying around your like house, <laughs> knocking things down and such like this crazy edit, I think it's people with consistency that makes sense. Like a Ben or even, I don't know, like a Kim or someone who like can swoop in and make some sort of sense to a winner. I guess that makes sense. The other possibility here is none of this discussion is relevant. Cause I think one of Tony's paths to the end and this is the sad one is the Ben. Like, I think that is a possibility. Um, mm. Would it be awful? Yes. Um, but I don't, th- I think the bag of tricks is going to show up. Um, I think there's a lot of these Tony motifs that have not come up. And I think they will. And I, that's the other reason why I'm like, I'd pick Sarah in a game of Survivor that is purely about social politics and man, uh, manipulating people and that kind of stuff. Like, and so that's why I also want to give Tony the path that he plays well. I think there's a path that he plays like garbage and wins. I think that's also out there. Mm-hmm. And obviously they, they don't just show like, like they edit Ben, like he played the greatest game ever. Cause he found the three things or whatever. Right. Like um, they would still show him like backstabbing Sarah, even if it's like, he doesn't have any part in it or whatever. Like they did with Rick Devins, all those votes that he didn't do anything for and got all the credit for. Right. But yeah, that's, that's Tony. Mm-hmm. And now let's move to a poor angel. <laughs> I was so sad, Joe. Like, and I kind of saw this coming, like, midway through the episode. Uh, when, like, because they did the kind of Malcolm and Game Changer style um, editing approach where, like, we're like, oh, who's it going to be? And I'm like, oh, it's going to be the person that they said one time. And that was Tyson. It's like, no, please, anyone else? Like, hmm. I don't know. I really would have been pre- preferred almost anybody leave. Tyson was so fun in this episode, especially. Like, the sand soup and, oh man. I don't know. The sand soup thing was like, <laughs> uh, like you're never getting all the grit out of that cup. <laughs> <laughs> that was my concern. But yes, very cute as a family moment. Um, tragic. I guess we could have been more like your girlfriend and saw it coming. We didn't. <laughs> I didn't. You you had fallen more off this train. Well, I still I was, had him number three. I think I was firmly the conductor of it. Um, <laughs> and it's I guess weird that now I'm like. Not considering him at all, but I know. I think the thing is, yeah, there's really still kind of a path forward. Like he could come back again. And that just seems so unlikely at this point that I don't know. I'm not really tangibly considering it. <clears throat> That's wild. I thought you, I I was really expecting the, and he's still my number one. <laughs> um, no, no. Ooh. Um, okay. So I predicted the wrong thing for this. Um, I don't know. I think Tyson could come back. I don't think that's, I think it would be hilarious. But, um, if you look at these things, usually the same person does come back. Like, uh, Ozzy comes back twice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, this is a thing that happens. Um, Victor in Big Brother 18. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, Matt didn't come back twice. Uh, Tina didn't come back twice. True. Oh, no, yes, she did. Yeah, she did. Oh, Tina came back once. I don't remember who came back the first time. Uh, or, or, 
Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't no know. Idea. There's not enough data to make a suitable That's conclusion. True. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, it's at least not impossible that the person comes back twice. I mean, maybe he or did. Or even three times as Victor came Maybe back. he does come back. I'm sure he hoarded what's left of that peanut butter somewhere on the edge of extinction. Yeah. And we'll return to it. Uh, to me, that's a, that's my one problem is this is a really fitting end to Tyson's story. Mm-hmm. That's why I would drop him off. But like, part of me is like, mm, I, I don't want to quite do it uh, just in case. Because uh, if anyone's going to be the survivor winner troll here, it's going to be Tyson. Um, that is true. I'm sort of talking about consistency and what remains as sort of contenders dwindle. And like Tyson really, I guess it's just... I didn't anticipate this happening. It's really making me doubt him. But really, yeah, I mean, almost too perfect. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think I would I have did... said that this is overridden. You know what I mean? Like, I was really like, that's what I would say. Like, even like to my girlfriend, I'm like, she's not. He's not going to leave at at the family visit. Like, that's too perfect. Like, hmm. but evidently. I mean, do... Do you think a jury will reward someone who was voted out twice? I think there's an interesting question of like, would they respect you more or less if you got voted out twice than if you got voted out once? Mm-hmm. I think there's, if you got voted out twice, you could probably pitch that you like just knew you were going to come back. So you were able to make more risks. Like you really think a jury's not going to vote for Tyson? It's just like, who is he with that they're voting for over? With his family? Like how he was with his kid? Like, I don't everyone know, Everyone has a family. Yeah, I guess sure, unless it's like Sophie, Michelle, and Nick. Yeah, everyone has a family except for those three people. <laughs> um, yeah, I described watching this episode uh, to Spencer, a friend of the show, um, as like a family, re- like you're outside someone's Thanksgiving dinner, like you're walking down the street and like you can hear them, like you can see them talking to each other, but you don't know what they're saying. They're whispering like seemingly and they, they like they love their family. Like it's, um, <laughs> But yeah, like I don't know, like I think Tyson probably wins if he makes the end. It just can he make it to the end? There's a lot of barriers, obviously, one being getting back in the game and mm-hmm. two. There's no, I feel like there's no chance they let him to the end of the game. Right. Like, I feel like he almost certainly would get revolving doored. Yeah. So it requires him to me winning the edge of extinction challenge and then winning out, which seems low possibility. And honestly, a terrible way to like end a season. <laughs> like imagine all winners, like as Ben said, the champion of champions being a dude who got voted out twice and got voted out all stages of the game, pre-merge and post-merge and just won all the immunities. Like that mm-hmm. would be memes yep like a combination ben Drewberg and chris underwood is and really what else did we want from this season i would honestly like that would be hilarious like i either want a good winner or that or just total disaster <laughs> either way though tyson was a lot of fun good story that they told this is what like this is the kind of thing that you want more people to be edited like where you can actually kind of see them winning like that's good good job yeah. survivor with this yeah i didn't realize he'd never been on a family visit like because the one season he made it far enough and already had family involved so yeah and i guess what token chains would have been because he made it pretty far in token chains yeah but i I think he's one short one short yeah probably yeah that's wild and shows how much i care about the family visit that i had no idea like um (laughs) i mean i'm like the number one sarah don thomas fan i had no idea she got booted at both of them like i can't even tell you who her family was (laughs) It's it, it is true. He is the number one Sierra Don Thomas fan. <laughs> I think you're the only person I know who after Worlds Apart wanted her to come back. 
like as a like like one of your favorites to come back like, that, like now it would be very funny to have her back because like <laughs> she's funny but <laughs> um but yeah no like yeah the family visit make it two hours or like just do how they did it on edge of extinction like come on folks just don't first off don't do this ever again <laughs> yeah bring one person it's much more interesting story-wise uh do a challenge you like baited us with the ring and ball challenge and then they didn't do it right um oh my god wait yeah <laughs> yeah and that was the perfect circle or whatever yeah truly the full circle and now we probably won't see it because they just used it as a decoy oh uh, it's probably just an invisible reward challenge hmm. oh that sucks instead Ooh. we got the stupid very slack rope whatever you call that where they hold the rope and build immunity hanslers <laughs> um, uh, that was a fun callback I, I will say that was that was a good that was a good time yeah next week i believe that our girl denise will leave tragically i think that is a good choice Cat only got so many lives. We got to pick separate people. So I'm going to go with my surprise pick of Jeremy. Mm. My winner contenders are number one, I got Sarah. Number two, I got Tony. I just have it listed as cops for us. Uh, Mine are, they don't have an alliance name, which is super not fun. Um, Walking through the woods, chatting animatedly as they did. But number one, Sarah. Number two, Sophie. It was super cute when they were holding hands. And yeah, that was, that was cute. <laughs> Good. They should have an alliance name. Nick failed his job to revolutionize Survivor. That's one <laughs> thing I'm taking away from this. <laughs> we need more alliance names. It's so much no. more fun to be able to talk about Cops or Us than Sarah and Sophie. Someone whispered that into a Big Brother production person's ear many years ago. And look where we are now. We do not yeah, want to realize it. <laughs> it is a disaster at this point. <laughs> yeah, for anyone who watches Big Brother, it's like if you watch the like if you watch the show, it's kind of bad because you get a bunch of ones that are confusing. But if you watch the feeds, every person has like it's like one of those graphs where like each person exponentially has infinite alliance names with people because there's like one permutation for every two people, every three people, every four people, every like right. It's a nightmare, absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah maybe maybe but that's the thing is edited survivor would know which ones mattered and they'd only tell us the ones that matter yeah right that's the that's the kicker there um and that's our show so you can email us at, email us at the winner edit at gmail.com uh we'll read your questions uh if they're good new episodes on saturdays and sundays <laughs> this week will be sunday um you can follow me on twitter at danny kills bees you can follow joe on twitter at jchapman9000 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wash your hands. Farewell. See you next time. Yeah, 